those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. Things are really changing. There are good people here. People across North Carolina are proud of the fact that the Democratic Party chose to have a convention here. Don't lose hope no matter what they say, because things are starting to happen. But one thing about South Carolina you can always count on, we're always going to surprise you. In fact, I've always been proud to be a Democrat. We need to recognize that we have an opportunity here in Georgia to take back this state and make it blue again. I think Texas is not only going to turn blue, it's just a question of when. Now that will tell you that we have progressed. Join us as we explore the Southern Progressive Revival. Hello everyone, this is your host Jonathan Matthews reporting live from Richmond, Kentucky and you're listening to Southern Progressive Revival on this January the 17th, 2016. While this is episode 19, it is far from your everyday show. This is our very big Martin Luther King Jr. and Joey Word special. Joey, are you excited? Oh, yes sir. Yes sir. Anyway, (laughs) how how are everybody doing? How everybody in the chat room doing? How everybody listening doing? Yes, indeed. We howdy, to- y'all. Yes, howdy. And uh, we will get to the reason why it is the Joey Word special, an addendum to the Martin Luther King Jr. special here in just one moment. But I do hope that you're all doing well. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce our other phenomenal co-hosts and give Joey a proper introduction. But since this is primarily an educational show, as you all know, Um, I wanted to share an interesting fact that I found. Uh, I was going through SoundCloud, which is the website that hosts all of our podcasts here for Southern Progressive Revival, and I was looking at the stats for our listenership, and probably the most surprising one was the countries that listen to us, and by what amount. So if you had guessed that the country that primarily listens to the show is the United States, then you would be 100% correct. Although the second country, in terms of popularity, is, quite surprisingly, Portugal. And uh, that was shocking to me, but I wanted to say to our Portuguese listeners, Para todos voces dirijo o mio caracal un agradecimiento. Por favor, continuem a ouvir por algum tiempo. Obrigado. I hope that you continue to enjoy the show and that we keep things interesting for you. So, now that we've gotten the educational bit out of the way... Is so freaking cool. <laughs> I, did, I knew you knew Japanese, but Portuguese. Yeah, my uh, my great great wait is it my great grandma or my great great my great grandma is Portuguese. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, so um, I don't speak it really well. I had I had to, <laughs> I had to run it by a friend who actually is fluent in Portuguese to make sure that I got it right, and there were a few things wrong. So. Don't don't let me uh, fool you all into thinking that I'm a fluent speaker or even all that good of a speaker. So, but um, <laughs> but anyway, in honor of this occasion, before we get to the audio, I want to start off by celebrating the reason why this is the Joey Word special. It, it has come to our attention here at Southern Progressive Revival that Mister Word has a birthday coming up. So, to Mister Word, this one goes out to you.
thank you very much there, Jonathan. Why, it's my pleasure, sir. I do sure hope you enjoyed that banjo. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Joey. Welcome to the show. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> and happy birthday, Joey. And actually, it's all it was Sister Joe's birthday, too, on the 15th. Oh, very cool. Well, we will oh, have so. to... Yeah, you all are helping celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday. Yay. Cool. Yeah, oh, when... and John Arthur says, what am I, chopped liver, Sister Joe? I'm in there, too. She doesn't talk to me, either. I feel your pain. Don't worry. <laughs> she said, oops, didn't see you, Jonathan. <laughs> It's all good. Oh gosh, but yeah, I wanted to get that out of the way. We'll we'll play the happy birthday banjo for uh, Sister Joe when she gets on the call later because she will be our Southern hospitality guest this evening. But to go ahead and introduce our other co-hosts joining us from Missoula, Montana, bringing the Yankee perspective, Mister John Kendall. Welcome to the show, sir. Yeehaw! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Are you assimilating now instead of just bringing your Yankee perspective? Yes, I am. I am uh, assimilating. Ah, well, resistance is futile, as they say. And last but not least, <laughs> our very own Ms. Producer from the Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri, Ms. Janet Lee. Welcome, ma'am. Hi. Hi, everybody. Woo! Yay! I know you're excited to get to talk to your sister. Grandma used to do. Oh, there you go. I'm not even going to try that. I got to practice that a while. <laughs> <laughs> it was annoying then. I guess I could try to annoy everybody and do it. <laughs> hey, why not? You know, we, we 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 certainly cannot lose any more listeners. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lose. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, <laughs> we have a we have a tremendous number of listeners. We love you all. You're great. Please continue to come to Southern Progressive Revival or Spur. Yeah, yeah. We're not gonna big. We're not gonna build a big beautiful wall. In front no, of you, all right? we're not. We're gonna build nothing but a succession of doors. It's it's not nothing but huge. doors. <laughs> and they're never locked. They're open twenty four seven. <laughs> and the fridge is stocked full. It is. It's totally stocked full of uh, you, you, of, your point, you, of Gatorade and Haterade and and <laughs> no Haterade. No hate. Okay, no Haterade. <laughs> and per, lemonade per... and sweet tea and all the great stuff, except for the pickled pig's feet. Those are those are on a different refrigerator, Jonathan. Hey, those those are in my refrigerator. I happen to like pickled pig's feet. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and a big old glass of big old glass of white lightning. Yes, indeed. You can wash down your chitlins with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, All my, right. My, my mama, my, my parents used to call it. They call used to call it boot, it bootleg whiskey. Ah, nice. I like it. I've never heard it called that myself, but I'm gonna I'm yeah, gonna start calling call it that. It well, I've heard bootleg, but not just boot by itself. Yeah, they just call it boot. Oh, cool. That that is really nifty. Once you drank that, you didn't need any help getting your boots on or off. This is very true. <laughs> yeah. The boots are a non-entity yep. at that juncture. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let us uh, go ahead and get to our very first segment of the night, which, as you all know, is general folk and situations for a very special 
non-violence edition. So here we go. I praise such courage. I need such courage because in this cause I too am prepared to die. But my friends, there is no cause for which I am prepared to kill. Whatever they do to us, we will attack no one, kill no one. But we will not give our fingerprints, not one of us. They will imprison us, they will fine us, they will seize our possessions, but they cannot take away our self-respect if we do not give it to them. I am asking you to fight, to fight against their anger, not to provoke it. We will not strike a blow. Gentlefolk and Situations. All right. So as you heard in the audio, we are starting off this segment with uh, audio from Mahatma Gandhi, who, of course, was one of the many pioneers of nonviolence as a means of protest and enacting meaningful political change. Um, This is the big Martin Luther King special, but without the influence and the things that Gandhi did, uh, Martin Luther King could have very well taken a very different approach to the civil rights movement and how he led. And uh, Gandhi's philosophy was something that was very influential on Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, But what we wanted to start with tonight, uh, other than, of course, words on what Gandhi just said, uh, was uh, Martin Luther King's personal interpretation of what Gandhi thought, because there were a lot of people that felt that there were some words that Gandhi said on occasion that said that he would, you know, given no other option, uh, attack people, that he would kill people. And Martin Luther King did not believe that to be so. Uh, we're going to get to the audio in just a minute, but I wanted to open up the conversation first to Janet because she was kind enough to find the audio for our intro. And I know that she, like so many others, is a very big fan of Mr. Gandhi. Well, um, I am. And our guest that's coming up is a Gandhi recipient, award recipient. Uh, I... You know, he was such a tiny little man, and you know, in stature, he had a tiny little voice, and he made such a huge difference. Was he? Was he? You know, um, without sin or without failings? No, he wasn't. Um, there's been a lot of things that have been said about him. You know, maybe being um, racist and other things. Yeah, but, I heard that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I just wanted to put out there that, yeah, he had some issues. And I also, you know, I thought about using some of Nelson Mandela's uh, audio, but really everybody kind of points back to Gandhi with everything, which is why I, you know, found those words and um, some of the other words, because Gandhi had said at one point, he didn't believe in killing or violence, but there was a time that violence was okay, which I thought that was kind of strange. And so then we have a clip of MLK, Martin Luther King, being asked about that. Indeed we do. So I'll go ahead and run that. And uh, once we do, I would like to get Joey in on the conversation. So let's go ahead and see what Martin Luther King has to say in his interpretation of Gandhi's statement on that issue. 
Gandhi, Dr. King, dramatized and defined the technique of nonviolence, and yet he also said that the only alternative to fear is violence, and that if that were the alternative, he would have to choose violence. Do you subscribe to that judgment of Gandhi, or would you disavow violence under any condition? Well, I think I would have to somewhat interpret Gandhi at this point. I don't think he was setting forth violence as, a, as an alternative. I think he was emphasizing, uh, or, or rather trying to refute an all too prevalent fallacy. And that is that the persons who use uh, the method of nonviolence are actually the weak persons, persons who don't have the weapons of violence, persons who are afraid. I think that is what Gandhi was attempting to refute. Now, in that instance, I would agree with Gandhi that if the only alternative to violence, uh, to fear, uh, is violence and vice versa, then I would say fight. But it isn't the only alternative. And that is the one point that Gandhi was trying to bring out. Okay, so uh, Joey, as you saw, uh Gandhi did state that uh, as an alternative to fear that violence was necessary. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. believed that by that he meant that there, if there was no other alternative, then, you know, fighting would be the only option, but that nonviolence was indeed a, a viable option. And that as history has shown, while it has not remedied all of society's ills and we still continue to fight in our own ways, it did remedy a lot. So what do you feel about that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, like, you know, he's right. And, you know, it's like, uh, it's some, you know, all, over the years, you know, it's been people who, who protest, protested peacefully and, and finally they had to fight in order to get their freedom. Like, uh, say for instance, you know, what's the movie Mel Gibson played in? Uh, they had to fight for they. What's the name? Of, what's the name of the movie Mel Gibson played in when he played the little Scottish Scottish fellow? Braveheart. Yeah, Braveheart. It's yeah. something like that. You know, they had to result. You know, re result to violence, man, to get their freedom in some 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 degree. But uh, it 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 you know it's it's uh well you know he's right he's right. You know, it, some sometimes it happens, sometimes it don't. But I'm glad Martin Luther King didn't result to that, you know, because, you know, how, you know, how they organization was, how they planned was like <clears throat> everyone, you know, go out there with dignity, wear a suit, wear a dress, no violence, you know, no matter what they do to you, don't fight back. And and, and that, that was a good strategy because people saw that on television. And people was like, damn, I didn't know that was going on down there. These people was not trying to harm no one. And these and these crazies are throwing rocks, spitting on them and, and sicking dogs on them and, and, and spraying them with hose pipes. So, you know, it, it happens with some people and some people it don't. It's been happening like that for all over the world for, for years, man. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good assessment of it. And, uh, John, I'm going to ask you sort of a provocative question. Do you think that nonviolence violent protest is still tenable in today's society and political climate? I do. Um I I totally get the nonviolence thing and it would be something that would be more 
um, beneficial to everybody instead of going like, even, you know, using escalating words could kind of come off as, you know, um, going toward the violent side, you know, because, you know, you see it a lot online as like, you know, you have a disagreement with somebody and they're like, oh, hey, you know, like, you know, go kill yourself, you know, I'm gonna beat your ass, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, nonviolence is, like I said, is the way to do things, um, I think. You know, it's it's easy to say that, you know, um, say that, you know, you're the toughest person in the room, but it, in my opinion, it takes a tougher person to, you know, follow the teachings of Jesus and just, you know, turn the other cheek. Absolutely. Can I read a comment from Joe? Yes, please do. Uh, Gandhi said violence was okay after some men came to him bragging about how they didn't fight back when their village was slaughtered. He said if the nonviolence was a result of cowardice, violence was better. And King said if the violence is the means, the ends will be violence. The goal of nonviolence is the beloved community. Huh. So then ultimately Martin Luther King was more of a purist in terms of nonviolence than uh, Gandhi was. Yeah, he was a peaceful man. Mm-hmm. And he still like got it. gunned down for being a peaceful man. Yeah, that's... Then Joe also said nonviolence results in relationship. Results in what? I'm sorry? <clears throat> in relationship. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. I think that that's very true. Um, so I, I want to get on to uh, another bit of Gandhi audio before we dive back into Dr. King. Um, and I was uh, wanting to get Janet's opinion on this first. Um, Gandhi, of course, uh, like Martin Luther King, was a spiritual man. And he had his own philosophy when it came to the divine. Uh, this is another clip that Janet found. And uh, I personally, uh, this falls very much into how I see the divine and i can understand why a lot of people would disagree with it um i'm especially interested in hearing what uh john kendall and joey have to say but uh we'll start off with janet on that but let's go ahead and uh play gandhi's interpretation of his divine philosophy i do dimly perceive that while everything around me is ever changing ever dying there is underlying all that change a living power that is changeless that holds all together that creates dissolves and recreates and is this power benevolent or malevolent i see it as purely benevolent for i can see that in the midst of death life persists in the midst of untruth truth persists in the midst of darkness light persists Okay, so, uh, yeah, Janet, I mean, what he's really speaking to is the, what I believe he's speaking to anyway, is the duality of nature. How, you know, you have such terrible things like death and disease and murder and war, but you have life that manages to survive beyond that and uh, so on and so forth. How how do you personally feel about that philosophy? That's what I feel, too. And to me, it is also... um, 
brings in science in the sense that nothing is created and nothing is destroyed. It's kind of like it just kind of keeps mixing out there in the, I don't know if I want to say pathos or ethers or, you know, or if it's, mm -hmm. you know, that the, the good is out there and it can be absorbed yeah. or you can absorb the negative. Absolutely. That nothing is all evil or nothing is all good. Although I have rethought that 100% evil when it comes to politics and the right. But <laughs> I'm sure there is good in almost everybody except Darth Vader. That would be Cheney and yes. Rumsfeld and stuff. But <laughs> I, I really can't think of anything good about Cheney, but I'm getting sidetracked. But that's kind of where I see it. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, John Kendall, I I know that you're not uh, a spiritual person, but uh, what do you think about Gandhi's uh, philosophy of the duality of the universe? How there's you know both good and bad, and that ultimately the presence of that good is is a good thing. Yeah, I I agree with it. I mean, you know, as I've brought up probably several times before. As an atheist, like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to be like, oh, hey, you know, there's, there's a supreme being out there with all the, like, all, sh all the shit, like, cancer and murder and, you know, all that, you know, unpleasant stuff. But, you know, I think, um, good in people can be, you know um can be present without the present without the presence of a belief system like you know they don't have to have that religious base to be a good person yeah that's absolutely true and i i love that you brought that up you know that it's it's difficult to believe in the idea of a divine entity or entities if there's cancer and suffering and sickness in the world. Um, because that was sort of what I wanted to ask Joey, you know, as, as a Christian, at least for me personally, I don't know if you've had this experience. That's the most difficult question that I face. You know, how can you believe in God when kids die from hunger yeah. or from cancer? Um, and it's a question that I can't answer, you know? I can't answer that myself, but all the thing I got to say is I, I, agree with Gandhi's words and uh and I got to say another thing good always prevail over evil absolutely it's always going to do that it's always going to do that so listen to that gop <laughs> you will lose the general election. because you would never win you would never win <laughs> this is very true <laughs> yes man you know, good always prevail over evil, you know, and, and I believe in, you know, in, in God, you know, hmm. I believe in 100 percent, you know, and he's not going to let it happen. Yep. He's not going to let them guys destroy this planet. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe as well. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's my hope in that belief that that keeps me going. Yeah. It's it's, it's my, yeah, it's my hope, too. You know, he would destroy this planet before they will. Mm hmm. Well, Trump 360 says the problem of evil, it's not just a question posed by scientists. It's a paradox in itself. And then um, I'm thinking this is Joe again. The arc of the universe 
Crimes Towards Justice, MLK. Mm-hmm. We, we have different numbers for Anon, so. Oh, okay, that's perfectly fine. Yep, and she that. forgot her password again. Oh, no. <laughs> y'all, get in this, y'all get in this chat room, Anons. That's right. <laughs> Joey's going to bring down the hammer. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so speaking except, of. Except, except Sister Joe, I love Sister, Sister Joe. I never give her the hammer. Absolutely, Aww. we we all love Sister Joe. We we all love Sister Joe. Sister Joe, you are amazing. I'll just throw that out there so I can get something in the chat room for once. Anyway, uh, so she's one L O L L O L. Oh gosh! But anyway, speaking of the dichotomy of good and evil, uh, Martin Luther King. We are getting back to him now, and uh, we are running sh- short on time, so we'll try to do this as quickly as possible. Um, believe that there were three great evils to society. So we're going to go ahead and start with the first one here, uh, which was poverty. So I'm going to go ahead and run that audio now, and uh, I'll split this up amongst the three of you. Uh, which one of you wants to comment on poverty? My beautiful well, co-host. You'll, you'll I, take it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 okay. And, well, uh, I wanted to do racism, but you know. <laughs> you, you can do racism if you want to. Okay. Yeah, I, I can take it. I don't care. Okay. So uh, we'll give Janetly poverty. We'll give uh, Joey racism and John you Militari- militarization. So, all right. Let's start <laughs> with poverty. Fantastic. I know. Right? <laughs> so let's start with poverty. <laughs> Unemployment rages at a major depression level in the black ghettos. But the bipartisan response is an anti-riot bill rather than a serious poverty program. The modest proposals for model cities rent supplement and rat control, pitiful as they were to begin with, get caught in the maze of congressional inaction. And I submit to you tonight that a Congress that proves to be more anti-Negro than anti-rat needs to be dismissed. Ms. Janet Lee. Hallelujah. Preach it. This, I, (laughs) could this be from today? Although we know it was, I think this was just before he was assassinated because he starts talking about um, the anti-Vietnam when you get to uh, what John Arthur is going to take. And that, they think that's one of the reasons he was uh, murdered, but obviously it was all of the above. But it was the rats in Congress doing nothing, mm. nothing, and that's true right now. That's what's happening now. It is, and it's disgusting that fifty some years earlier we have the same kind of crap now that 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 was a problem then, and it probably will be tomorrow because the worst of it is. The less than one percent has really got this country by the balls. They really do. But it, it it sounds like there was a lot of that back then too, but not as bad as it is now. Yeah, it's 
definitely isn't as bad as it is now. It certainly it was probably worse for black people. Um, I would yes. have to say, but let's go ahead and get onto racism so that we can get uh, onto Joey. So here we go. Many white people have, through a deep moral compulsion, fought long and hard for racial justice. Nor does it mean that America has made no progress in her attempt to cure the body politic of the disease of racism, or that the dogma of racism has not been considerably modified in recent years. However, for the good of America, it is necessary to refute the idea that the dominant ideology in our country, even today, is freedom and equality, while racism is just an occasional departure from the norm on the part of a few bigoted extremists. Racism can well be that corrosive evil that will bring down the curtain on Western civilization. Arnold Tornberg has said that some 26 civilizations have risen upon the face of the earth. Almost all of them have descended into the junk heaps of destruction. The decline and fall of these civilizations, according to Tornby, was not caused by external invasions, but by internal decay. They failed to respond creatively to the challenges impinging upon them. If America does not respond creatively to the challenge to banish racism, some future historian will have to say that a great civilization died because it lacked the soul and commitment to make justice a reality for all men. Mr. Joey Word. <laughs> oh, man, I got quite a few things to say <laughs> but uh i you know what he's talking about man you know is in most of the parts he's saying the shit's still happening today you know and mm-hmm. and plus on top of that you still you got you got this, this this megaphone out there and scaring poor white people and making these people you know hate the president and you know the scary the well, scary blackenstein you know <laughs> him in the in the White House, and you know, and 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 you know, you notice the you know what we've been hearing over the years since he's been president that you know uh, these uh, organizations, racist organizations, have have increased like four hundred percent. You know, and it's stuff still going on as today. What what he talking about? You listen to what he's saying. It's still stuff. It's not as harsh as it used to be, mm-hmm. but they trying to bring it back. They are, you know, especially uh, uh, you, especially you know that Trump fella, especially him, because you can, you know, you and and plus on these on these right wing hate radio uh, uh, talk shows and Fox News, you was you know you know by me being a black man, I, I hear them codes. You know what I'm saying? I, I hear them codes. You know them dog whistles. You know they they may think you know we stupid, but I'm not stupid. You know mm-hmm. I didn't went to I, you know I just graduated high school. I didn't go to college. You know what I'm saying? I didn't go to college, but I know I know what racism is. I know exactly what it is, man. And and they 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 trying to take us back to Jim Crow days. You know what uh, the Black Eagle said? He says uh, it's not Jim Jim Crow anymore. It's James Crow Esquire. It's got they got more sophisticated with their racism now. Mm-hmm. 
That's absolutely true. There, I mean, and that's really one of the things that gets me about all three of these clips. And I'll I'll play John's in a moment. We'll we'll just go to break a little bit later than usual. Um, is that not only were they relevant to the time period in which he spoke, but they're still incredibly relevant today. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, the the word prescient is thrown around the network quite a lot, but you know, he he was in a lot of respects. Um, so let's go ahead and get to militarization real quick and uh, John Kendall, and then we will head to break. So let's go ahead and play that now. This is a meaning of new politics. People of goodwill in the larger community must support the black man in this effort. The final phase of our national sickness is the disease of militarism. Nothing more clearly demonstrates our nation's abuse of military power than our tragic adventure in Vietnam. This war has played havoc with the destiny of the entire world. It has torn up the Geneva Agreement. It has seriously impaired the United Nations. It has exacerbated the hatred between continents and, worse still, between races. It has frustrated our development of home at home, telling our own underprivileged citizens that we place insatiable military demands above our most critical needs. It has greatly contributed to the forces of reaction in America and strengthened the military-industrial complex. And it has practically destroyed Vietnam and left thousands of American and Vietnamese youth maimed and mutilated and expose a whole world to the risk of nuclear warfare. Above all, the war in Vietnam has revealed what Senator Fulbright calls our nation's arrogance of power. We are arrogant in professing to be concerned about the freedom of foreign nations while not setting our own house in order. All right, and Mr. John Arthur Kendall. It, it's, it's amazing to me how much of what he says still holds true today because, you know, a lot of people, um, when they discuss the Iraq war, uh, basically say it was W's attempt to show his daddy that he was a good boy, um, and going over and, you know, basically decimating and creating more terror than what they had seen beforehand. Um, and the, the militarization of the police today is also an issue because you see pictures all the time of, like, Cops that are G'd up from the feet up with, like, military gear when they're, the motto of the police department is to protect and serve. But with that, it's just, it's the opposite. It's, you know, basically to harass. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's absolutely true. I couldn't agree more with every single word you said. And, you know, like I said before, I played that clip. Uh, he, every, every single word that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said is still relevant today. And I truly hope that at some juncture it's not relevant anymore. But um, I, I will give uh, Jenna the last word before we head to break. Uh, just a couple of points. Um, Joe said, agreed, John. And uh, yes, this is what killed, you know, his his view on the Vietnam War and that speech killed him. Mm-hmm. But another part that I wanted to get in there and I couldn't was the socialism for the 1% and capitalism for the rest of us. And that's what we're dealing with right now. Absolutely. Yep. So, and Trump 3X posted, must be, oh, Bush, because I can see a red tie, so... <laughs> Trump says Bush is a joke anyway and Joe said yeah he's a destructive joke yeah an incredibly destructive joke a joke with no punchline yes indeed oh no Lord. end who paints but but anyway um so we're gonna we're going to war <laughs> we're going to war <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, Joey was doing Daddy, impressions. Love me now, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, this man tried to kill my daddy. <laughs> oh god, Joey and was doing. Called, and look who caught the man, Barack yeah. Obama. He still ain't getting no respect for these punks. Yep. Well, you know, he's 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 black, so we'll never get it. But <laughs> it's okay. We we know on the left what he did yeah. as president, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. But uh, we're going to go ahead and head to break. They're trying to ruin it, though. They are. Very true. (laughs) They're going to try their hardest. (laughs) All right. So we're going to go ahead and head to break here real quick. When we come back, we will have Joey Word back with Voices of Our Black Past, Present, and Future. So don't change that dial. Stay tuned here to Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country so we understand hard work so let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states southern progressive revival at indie media weekly radio everybody, Kim Williams here, proprietor of IndieMediaWeekly.com and IndieMediaWeekly Radio. We invite you to check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice, a Facebook community that many of us are a part of here at IndieMediaWeekly. Many of our contributors and listeners are as well. So if you're a fan of Facebook, you should check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice and join us. We are ready to fight, and we hope you are too. And we hope to see you there. Just search for Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice anytime you're on Facebook. Indie Media Weekly Radio is proud to bring you the Thomas Jefferson Hour, a radio program that models civil discourse, critical thinking, and good citizenship. Join nationally acclaimed humanity scholar and award-winning first-person interpreter of Thomas Jefferson, Clay Jenkinson, for the Thomas Jefferson Hour, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Sundays at 4 p.m. The Thomas Jefferson Hour on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Visit them at jeffersonhour.com. Hey, Joe, what are you doing? Repairing the GOP clown car. What's wrong with it? Well, you know your show. You mean the Tim Cormall show right here on IndieMediaWeekly.com? 
Yes. Where each week a panel of guests joins us for a progressive roundtable discussion about politics, news, and other fun topics. Yes. And you know how we check out which members of the GOP climbed into the clown car each week? Yes. Well, there's been so many GOP clowns lately, they broke the springs. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yes. But don't worry. With the GOP presidential primary season coming up, the clown car will now have new heavy-duty springs to carry the load. So not only will our show be way better than those Sunday cable shows, we'll also have our very own clown car. Right. Now, close that garage door, Tim, before the clowns get in. Join us in our panel of guests every week right here on Indie Media Weekly. Oh, and don't forget, we have clowns. Dang it, I think a few slipped through. Tune in for the Tim Coromall Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, or in prime time on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly Radio at IndieMediaWeekly.com. Hi, this is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly. Don't change that dial. If you do, I'll know. Like a sneaky ninja, I will know. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws. We pay our taxes. We fly our flags on holidays. And we plot along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. As always, I am your host, Jonathan Matthews. And joining me is, of course, the man of the day, the man who is so cool that he could sell ice to an Eskimo, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, everyone. Yes, welcome back. Howdy, howdy. To the Southern Ears and Sister Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, And, of course, uh, Mr. John Kendall from the city of Missoula, Montana, our new junior co-host and expert on all things Waka Waka. Welcome back to the show, sir. Yep. And George W. Bush is barely a painter. Yes, he is barely a painter, but he does try, you know, at least it's something that won't get everybody killed. Hopefully. I don't know. Yeah. He, he could get creative at the end of the day. <laughs> and last but not least, our very own Ms. Producer, the uh, older sister of our very special guests this evening, Sister Joe, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome back, ma'am. Howdy. Yes, indeed. Howdy, Hello, howdy. y'all. Yes. All the greetings. I'm talking to Sister Joe about Alma. Aw, very cool. We tried to talk on the phone and and uh about dad and Alma wasn't having it. Well, I have to say I, I at least uh look forward to the day when we can have Alma on the program. That'll be fun. So, you know. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, that would be a heck of an interview, I have one to say. of these weekends, especially in the summer. <laughs> we will have the Alma special, yes. Every time I go to Adam, went to Adam my... has his grandma, we will have Alma. Yeah. Yes. Every time I went to my computer room, she'd stand out the door and go, Grandma, don't smoke. Grandma, you smoking. <laughs> Jeez, make me feel bad here. Aw, poor Janet. <laughs> 
It's okay. <laughs> All right. So without any further ado, let us go ahead and get into voices of our black past, present, and future. So I'm rolling the jingle now for you, Joey. Voices of our black past, present, and future with Joey Word. We have come here from the dusty plantations of the deep south. There have been many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pull their ideas. It was the 31st of August in 1962 that 18 of us traveled 26 miles to the county courthouse in Indianola to try to register to become first-class citizens. I've had a number of threatening calls, people calling me saying they were going to kill me. My mother explained racism and segregation to me. And what she said, and I'll never forget this, she said, this is not the way things are supposed to be. This might be the way they are now, but they are not supposed to be this way. All right, Joey, in the immortal words of the great philosopher Pat Benatar, hit me with your best shot. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, our Shiro of the week, her name is Ella Baker. She was a civil rights activist. Uh, she was born in, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, became involved with political activism in the 1930s. She organized the Young Negroes Corruptive uh, League in New York City and, and later became a national director for the NAACP, uh, and, uh, in 1957. She she joined uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, whose first her first president was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. She also worked with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. That means she was a snick. She was a snicker uh, to the civil uh, rights activism on college campuses. Uh, 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 she was one of the leading figures in the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. She grew up in North Carolina. Uh, she was uh, close to her grandmother, a, f- a, a former slave. Uh, her grandmother told Baker m- many stories about her life, including a whipping she uh, had received at the hands of her owner. A bright student, she ev- eventually went to Shaw University in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, she was uh, class. Uh, she was class, and uh, in the class, she she graduated in 1927 after. She completed her degree. Baker moved north to New York City. There she worked a number of jobs while trying to make ends meet. <clears throat> but uh, Baker uh, helped start a Young Negroes Cooperative League, which uh, allowed its members to pool their funds to get better deals on goods and services. Around 1940, she became a field secretary for the N.A. Uh, NAACP. She traveled extensively, raising funds and recruiting new members to the organization. in ni- in, in 1946, she became the uh, NAACP's national director of branches. She took over uh, care of her niece Jackie Browington a few years later, which Baker to resign from her. NACCP, NAACP post. She felt her position required too much travel. <clears throat> Staying in New York, but she worked for a number of local organizations, including the New York Urban League. 
She also helped out the uh, New York chapter of the NAACP. In 1957, she joined the Southern Christians Leadership Conference as its executive director at the request of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The, C the SCLC was a civil rights group created by African-American ministers and community leaders. During her time at the SCLC, she set up an event that led to the creation of Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in 1960. She offered her support and counsel to the organization of student activists. While she left the uh, SCLC in 1960, remained active in, in, in SNCC for many years. She helped uh, them from the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party in 1964 as an alternative to the state's Democratic Party, which held segregationist views. The MFDP even tried to get her their delegates to serve as replacements for the Mississippi delegates at the National Democratic Convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey at, at that, that same year. While they were unsuccessful in this effort, the MFDP's actions brought a lot of attention to their cause. Baker continued to fight for social justice and equality for the rest of her life. With her many years of experience as protester and organizer, she gave her wise counsel to numerous organizations, causes including Third World, Third World Women's Coordinating Committee and the Puerto Rican Solidarity Committee. Her life and accomplishments were chronicled in 1981 documentary, Fundy, the story of Ella Baker. Uh, Fundy was her nickname, which uh, comes from Swahili word, means person who passes down craft the next generation. Uh, sad to say, uh, Baker died. I mean, she died on her 83rd birthday on December 13, 1986 in New York City. And, uh, you know, it goes to show everyone that, you know, we work tirelessly too, you know, and and this is our country. This is your country. This is our country. Let's come together and make it a better country. I know we all don't agree, but we can agree to disagree with love and respect without hate and disrespect. And don't forget, everybody, get out and vote in these uh, local elections. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs> That was awesome, <laughs> as always. But now that I know that uh, Fundy means something good in another language, yes. <laughs> what are we going to call the crazy Christians now? <laughs> we call, I, well, I call, I just, just straight up call them just hypocrites. Hypocrites. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to switch to hypocrites then for this show. <laughs> Fundy was a nickname, so. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, what was Fundy meaning in Swahili again? I didn't catch that. Uh, it means uh, it means uh, means person who passes down a craft to the next generation. Ah, well, that yeah. definitely isn't those Christians. You know, yeah. Swahili is. Well, is I guess they could is, say they are. Well, they pass down so hate, not a craft. <laughs> yeah. Well, most African Americans in this country, you know, where we come from, is are uh, like uh, most of us have come from the uh, that that. Our ancestors spoke the Swahili language, mm -hmm. and you know, 
yeah, so it's, it's a it's a it's a big you know it's a it's, it's our language you know mm-hmm. of most of us here anyway. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. None of this is an integral part of, uh, of course, Kwanzaa and its traditions, and uh, it's also part of the language spoken. Oh God, what are you're gonna have to forgive Kwanzaa. my ignorance? Yeah, but uh, there there are a group of um, oh. African descendants in South Carolina that speak. Mm-hmm a dialect that is a fusion of English and Swahili, and I cannot remember what they're called. Do you remember, Joey? I got to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to look them up later. I don't know, brother. I, I don't know, man. I'm going to be honest. I don't. <laughs> uh, no worries. I will look it up another time. But yeah, I need um, to look. But tell the truth, I really do need to look more in it and try to learn a little bit because I learned a little Swahili, you know what I'm saying? But I, I just learned the what I used to do at the end of Voices of Black Past, Present, and Future is um, is the uh, Opendo na Amani means love and peace. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, I I absolutely love that. By the way, I thought that that was an amazing way to end. Um, and just out of curiosity, because you know, you 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 always pick the people that were not necessarily famous in their day, the ones that deserve recognition, but often don't get it. Um, mm-hmm. Janet, I, I'm, I'm certain, well, you, you've heard of her before, haven't you? Yeah, I think she was, um, I had heard of her, I knew of, of her as being involved in SNCC, mm-hmm. but um, I did not know she did all those other things. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I actually had not heard of her, but just the the sheer volumes of her accomplishments is awe inspiring. Um, John, had you ever heard of her before? No, I haven't. Yeah, so we're in the same. All of this is new to me, but at least I'm learning something. <laughs> there you go. Like I said, I'm it's glad just... you are, man. I'm glad everybody learning from it. You know, that's that's yeah. why I'm here, man. I just wanted everybody to, you know. Well, you know, if, if if you want to know know about it, you know, just do research on it. You know, mm-hmm. you probably learn a little bit more. You know, absolutely. That's the way I like yeah. to do it. Well, snork because said... you know, I I do it like I I don't do it like the right wing hate radio folks. You know, what I'm saying just tell you and just say you you got to believe it. You know, if you don't believe me, just look it up. You know, just yeah. just go find it. You know, it's there. Mm-hmm. Well, Snork said this is one of the nicest Swahili names. Many African names try not to be. So prideful of their child that God will get jealous and take them to heaven. When we Christianized them, we really warped them. Hmm. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder if that yeah, has... Yeah, because, you know, when the slaves, when they brought here, man, we were stripped from our language. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our religion. Even our families. Yeah. And then... Um, so when you talk about the nonviolence, they were brought here under conditions that were extremely violent. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther King now, I know Joe Madison was talking about his grandpa was out in the fields um, in plantations. Um, and you think about how things have been passed down from generation to generation like the land and whatever, but like Martin Luther King was talking about those three things and like people 
white privilege. You know, we take white privilege to heart. Like we own whatever, I don't know. Um, this white privilege crap. You know, people don't realize that when um, African Americans were brought over, they were dropped in this land and expected to live in this violent society. And it was violent. And then you come down to Martin Luther King and people like Nelson Mandela, who I just think is the bomb. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, we're not going to be violent back. We're not going to put up with this shit anymore. But the violence is going to end here and now. And it just breaks my heart to see that, what, 100, 150 years later, it's a still the same violence. It's still the same shit. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that um, stops people of color or African Americans, however you want to say it, people with melanin, the global majority, mm-hmm. from getting ahead in this country because there's so much some, some white people, some people male make it the privilege. Cracks, but some people make it through the cracks, but you know, they got a limit too. You know, and, and I, I don't sit up here and, and I'm not going to say, I'm going to blame I'm blame the white man for my situation. Oh, hell no. You know, I'm not going to do that. But it's some parts that they do to try to keep you down. It's some things they do because I experienced it myself. Right. But there is a thing of white male privilege that has kept everybody down. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the power. They pick which studies get funded, which studies don't get funded, um, what things get money, what things don't get money. Yeah. It's a violent society. And then you have people like Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela coming in saying, we're not going to be like them. Yeah. And, you know, the saddest thing I well, other than the obvious implications that right privilege has for minorities in this country is how much have we missed out on? Because of it, because we have hold, held on to the monopoly on on privilege, on choosing what gets to be big, on choosing what's successful. What, what have we missed out on because of that? How, how much more beautiful and vibrant could our country be exactly if, if we had done what Joey said and agreed to disagree respectfully and mm-hmm. move forward together? So. And Snark says, Adela means honest, equal, an acceptable name because it says something good about traits of a person to be experienced while they're alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, Just really honest, cool. equal. Adela. Adela. Very cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we are going to go ahead and head to a break again here real quick, uh, but we will be right back with gander at the soapbox and this is a very special edition i must say uh so do not change that now we'll be right back here on southern progressive revival you're listening to southern progressive revival we have been the instrument of change in the past we know what needs to be done we know how to do it We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. 
Stay with me and experience the glory of Plaid Sundays, two gigantic hours of grunge running from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern, here on Indie Media Weekly. Whether it's the distorted guitars or the emotive lyricism, few can deny the lasting influence of a genre that dressed down a generation. So turn it on and get inspired. It works for me, and I know that I'm not the only one. Plaid Sundays, only on Indie Media Weekly. Extraterrestrial Radio. All the power without the tower. Ciao. Are you ready for the fastest hour in radio? Listen every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern to Paul's Memory Bank exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. DJ Paul will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. Be sure to sign up in the Paul's Memory Bank chat. Simply go to IndieMediaWeekly.com, select the Live tab, and scroll down to Paul's Memory Bank. Paul's Memory Bank, live every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. Don't miss Musical Mayhem with Lauren Mayer. Topical comedy songs and commentary from your friendly local humorist, songwriter, and opinionated Jewish mother. You can catch the show right here on Indie Media Weekly on Mondays and Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m., Thursdays at 8 p.m., right after the Tim Cormall Show. You can catch my weekly comedy videos on my YouTube channel, Psycho Supermom, and order CDs through most major retailers as well as my website, laurenmayer.com. So join us for Musical Mayhem, where music, politics, and comedy intersect. So new? Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and be sure to listen to my music program, The Night Show. Every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. The Night Show. Features a broad selection of eclectic music from my personal library, as well as your requests. So be sure to visit IndieMediaWeekly.com and find the tab for The Night Show. Join the chat and submit your requests every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on The Night Show. Only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com for those who dare. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, folks, welcome back to hour two of this episode 19 of Southern Progressive Revival. And uh, like I said, we're about to move into Gander at the Soapbox, uh, which probably has my favorite jingle of all of our segments. And uh, we have some pretty cool stuff to talk about tonight. Um, We are going to be focusing on Bernie at the top because uh, not only because he spoke to the Brown and Black Democratic Forum, but also because uh, Joey is a big Bernie supporter. So this is our night. Janet, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Janet. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's okay if you didn't hear it, but but since you're unmuted, yeah, I, I'm feeling the burn. I feel the burn. Man. What did I do? I, I you and me both, you. brother. <laughs> no, I was just saying that uh, since it's the Joey special, we're talking about Bernie at the top of the segment. So uh, I apologize to you, Ms. Producer from Lake of the Ozarks oh. area, Missouri. 
Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Joe put on here about a, in our family Bible, we have Ordelia, and she was the ninth child. And I thought, oh. yeah, ordeal. Yeah, ordeal. Yeah. That would be an ordeal. Yeah, I think if you get up to nine children, that is quite an ordeal, I must say. <laughs> Snorkad Snorkad won a name for the eleventh child and I put down O M F G. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, I know, good lord. Snorkad said it means a lack of birth control. Do ba do Pop that baby out. Hey, that's like that nineteen and counting. I it was going to say, like, I don't know what drives somebody to have, like, an excessive number of kids. My mom was seven of eight. Phew. But, like, you know, you see these, like, the Octo mom, like, she has her eight, but she still has, like, two more. So, it's like, like, what drives the people to make so many babies? insanity that's what um <laughs> i'm very happy with my one and i plan on keeping it at that number but uh john arthur kendall Ed, since she did spoke adam up says I, hi so we're gonna say hi hi adam hello hey, adam. adam thank you for listening and uh adam uh will be a part of our wonderful valentine's day special coming up very very shortly and we also have some other surprises in store with him in the future uh so shout out to him and to uh Mike Check Radio, which airs from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern every Saturday here on Indie Media Weekly, uh, who, of course, is uh, <laughs> co-hosted by our very own uh, and their very own John Kendall, the the man who classes up the joint there and here. So, yeah, thank you for being here, John. Because nobody likes classless joints. This is true. <laughs> yes, yes. The the anti-class yeah. joints are just deplorable. I, I cannot accept them. And, uh, of course, uh, last but not least, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee, the man for whom this episode is named. Hello. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored, guys. I sure <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Not, not a problem. You deserve it, sir. And uh, we look forward to doing this again next year. And next oh, year, yes, although next year you have to host, just so you know. So, ah, uh, well, uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning a few things here and there, but I, hopefully, man, there I'm, you I'm go. up, I'm up for, I'm game. Like, like the boy said in uh, uh, Tombstone, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I love that movie. Doc Holiday, you say, I'm yep. your Huckleberry. <laughs> Doc Holiday is the best. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's one of my favorite questions, man. That's one of my favorite questions. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. All right. So let's go ahead and get... Adam says drama sting. Drama sting? Okay. I will do it. There we go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because Snork says his grandparents used... Grandma used to get pregnant every time they go out and get drunk. And they had seven brothers and three (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) And Joe said if our grandparents got pregnant every time they drank, we'd have 30. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely, she's got drama. Got oh, drama oh. <laughs> oh, the drama. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and dive into Gander at the Soapbox. Let's hear this beautiful jingle. I love hearing it, and I hope that you do, too. Gander at the Soapbox. Gosh darn it, who diddly I'm conservative. What do you have a higher opinion of, Congress or dog poop? I think that I think the report's full of crap. 
My goodness, I didn't know solid waste management was so controversial. We'll have more of everything. We were discussing disease. We were discussing all sorts of things tonight. You know, I apologize. We left the helicopter at home. You know, I, I don't have to defend everything that I've ever done. Isn't that the Tea Party in a nutshell? Republican on Republican violence. There isn't a Republican Party. I humbly ask for your vote whenever you're going to get to vote, whenever the primary is. So in love yes, welcome to Gander at the Soapbox, where we take a gander at the soapbox. And tonight, we lead off with Mr. Bernie Sanders, who, as I said earlier, was asked a question at the Black and Brown uh, Democratic Forum. So let's go ahead and run that audio. Because I want to ask about guns. In 2005, you voted for a bill that shields gun manufacturers from lawsuits. And after that... Yep. Secretary Clinton said the following, maybe it's time for Senator Sanders to stand up and say, I got this one wrong. Did you make a mistake? No. It was a long, like many pieces of legislation, like many of the 10,000 votes that I cast, bills are complicated. But let's be clear. When I ran for the United States Congress in 1988, I ran as an independent taken on a Democrat and Republican. What the gun people said is you can vote for the Democrat or Republican, don't vote for Bernie Sanders. You know why? Because I said that we should not be selling assault weapons in the United States of America. I lost that election by three percentage points. Throughout my political career, I have ended up with a D-minus voting record from the NRA. I have voted to improve and extend the instant background check. I voted against the gun show loophole. And I also believe that we should make this straw man situation a federal crime. And I believe that we need a revolution in mental health so that people who need mental treatment can get it now, not two years from now. I understand, but in this case, did you make a mistake? No, when there, it were comes provisions to in that bill, there were provisions in that bill. For example, you are a small gun shop owner in the state of Vermont. You sell her a gun legally. She goes through the instant background check. Then she goes out later and shoots somebody. Should you be sued? I don't think so. On the other hand, if you are a gun manufacturer who's selling guns into an area and you're selling a whole lot of guns and you have reason to believe that a lot of those guns are not meant for people in that area but are being distributed to criminal elements, should you be prosecuted? Damn right. So I think what we have to do is take a new look at that legislation and get rid of the provision. So you don't make a mistake in that? It's not a mistake. Like many pieces of legislation, it is complicated. But on the issue of guns, Mm -hmm. let me be very clear. I support the president. I think we have got to expand and extend and improve the instant background check. We've got to do everything we can to end these horrific murders and mass murders that we're seeing in this country. Okay, so Joey, I'm going to turn to you first, and then I'll give uh, Janet a chance to respond and kill me. But I know that as a general rule, most people on the left have looked at his vote on that piece of legislation uh, as negative. Uh, There are a lot of Bernie supporters now who don't particularly like where Bernie is on guns. They don't think that he's strong enough. Um, But... When when I have listened to his explanation time and time again, which, which has been consistent, he's pointed to how nuanced the bill was. And I don't think that there's anybody that's educated about politics that does not realize how many riders and amendments are added to bills and how much they are complicated in order 
to get things done underneath the table and in a dirty and underhanded way. So I think personally that voting against the bill for the reasons that Bernie cited was a completely acceptable thing to do. Um, Joey, how, how do you feel about that? I, I agree. You know, it, he, uh, uh, it's, it's, it, them bills are complicated, man, you know, and there's a whole lot of stuff like what they say, uh, read it, uh, the fine print type deals, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's uh, you know, some of the bills are like that, like the fascist act. I ain't gonna call it the Pat- Patriot Act. I'm gonna call it the fascist act, you know, take that for instance, you know, and, um, uh, you know, he's right about, you know, suing, suing the, uh, the, uh, the manufacturers, and and they go on to like like say from like here, you know, at the uh, fairgrounds, you know, they have gun shows and stuff like, you know, twice every other month or something like that. I, I forgot what days. I've been there a couple of times myself just to look around, and we've been there with some friends, you know, to and 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 a couple of these friends was uh like convicted felons and still going there by bullets, still going there by you know by a gun here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, just think if one of them guys had bought one of them guns and went out there and killed someone in a robbery or something like that, yeah, I think they should be held accountable. Absolutely. I really do. Yeah, and I, I have to and say that's, that... It's common sense. It's common sense, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a legal gun owner myself, you know, and, and I'm down down for the extensive back, background checks, you know, because, you know, it's it's a lot of people out there that get a hold to some guns and do some bad things with them, man. And mm-hmm. trust me, you know, I know I live in the middle of the hood, you know, and things happen and people who already got felonies get a hold of semi-automatic or, or, or fully automatic weapons mm-hmm. and be like, how the hell you get that thing? I know you didn't buy it legally. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, it's, and I, I honestly, I believe what Bernie said. If, if a responsible gun shop owner sells a gun to somebody legally and follows all the parameters that are in place that they shouldn't be sued. If the purchaser does something yeah, that's right. with that gun, that's it's right, not man. their you fault. Know? You know? No, it's not their fault. Yeah. But you know, if you out there, if you at these, these places, you know, I'm saying these strong purchases, purchases places mm-hmm. and you sell a person a gun, you know, you don't care who the hell it is. He could be a straight up psycho, mm-hmm. you know, and he goes out and, and, and kill a bunch of kids or whatnot. You are you you are you you should be held accountable for that. Oh, absolutely. It's common sense, man. It's common yeah. sense. Yep, I think so too. I agree completely. And uh, Janet, I love you. First of all, I want to say that, and uh, <laughs> I want to give you a chance to cut in. <laughs> no, I disagree. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> Okay. Okay. The reason I do, and and what you're saying, yes, that makes sense. If you believe that the manufacturers shouldn't be held accountable, now remember they're funding the NRA. The manufacturers are writing the law. They are held harmless when they build these weapons of mass destruction and put them out in the hands of normal people that have no business having guns that kill hundreds of people at one time, you know, well, that can't. There's no reason for that, none, other than just to kill. 
the person that their daughter got killed, I believe, in San Bernardino or Charles, someplace, one of the mass shootings, or Colorado, they went after the gun manufacturers, and they didn't even get to sue them, and they owe the manufacturers $225,000. This is total bullshit, what he's saying. And I'm sorry, I want him to have an F-. minus. I really do. I understand about hunters. I understand these manufacturers are making crap that are just nothing. They're, they're for nothing other than mass killing. I'm sorry. You know, and I don't know a whole lot about guns. But you get these uh, billet, bullets that are bullet piercing whatever. Armor, armor piercing, piercing bullets. Yeah. What the hell are, are they needed. supposed to do? You're not out killing a deer with that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able well, here, to eat it. Here, they they legal. Them armor piercing bullets are legal here. Oh, of course, they they're illegal, illegal yeah. everywhere anymore. Mm-hmm. And who is to blame for that shit? It's the NRA who takes their marching orders from the gun manufacturers mm-hmm. and our militarized <clears throat> police and um, war people. That's that's who's at fault. Yeah, it it is. Absolutely. And the fact that Bernie sits back and says, oh, "Hey, I live on the East Coast, and we have hunting. There's hunting all over the damn country." But I've never heard of somebody using a hundred bullets or ten bullets on damn deer and then eating it. Have you? They're mm-hmm. a bad nope. shot. They don't have. They don't deserve a gun. I, I think what I'm more curious about, though, is whether you think that somebody who owns a local gun shop who is doing their business right, they're following the law as they are supposed to, if they sell to somebody, having done everything that they were supposed to do, and that person goes out and commits a crime, should that gun shop owner be held accountable? Yeah, because you know what? There'd be stricter laws if they were. All right. Uh, John Kendall, where do you fall on the and issue? Actually, and <laughs> J- Tom Schaefer came in and said the Daily Coast is saying it was parents in the Aurora shooting. Oh, I was wrong. Okay. I got you. And they were ordered to pay 200000 in legal fee- fees to the uh, ammo dealer. Ah, I got you. I got you. Thank you, I- Tom. Yes, thank you, Tom. Uh, and John, where, where do you fall on this issue? Or do you have like a third side? Are you sort of a... 3D object in this debate. I see. I, you know, is I'm kind of with you. With if the gun shop owner goes through all the loophole, not all the loopholes, then that makes it sound dirty. <laughs> if they if they go through the right parameters, that's the word that I want. Um, you know, the background check. You know, every other check to make sure that, hey, you know, this dude coming in is not using this gun for nefarious means. I mean, um, in in some ways, I think going after the gun manufacturers is, is kind of, it's, oh, I think it, it doesn't help in... The realm of like a mass shooting because mm. I mean, I hate to use 
I hate to use the cliche, but it wasn't the gun that killed the person. I mean, it was, it was the, it was the means to kill the person. Yes, but that's not the gun manufacturer's fault that it landed in the hands of a psycho. Um, you know, and over the years there have been recalls on, um, rifles that have had faulty, you know, like trigger systems and one, you know, but you know, that's, that's different than letting a psycho get their hands on it. Um, and I, I don't know. It's just, and I, I agree with, uh, Janet, you know, I don't, I don't see the need for armor piercing bullets unless you're, a crazy person or, you know, a gun that can pump out, you know, like a thousand rounds in, mm. you know, like 30 seconds because, you know, I've used my guns for hunting, you know, and, um, you know, target practice, you know, to get to, to learn how to handle my gun. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things at play here. I think, you know, the biggest part is enforcing the current gun laws, you know, with background checks and mental health evals and stuff, you know, before we can step back and say, hey, you know, will this help the bigger picture? Mm-hmm. Well, and Caitlin makes a great point. She said maybe it isn't the manufacturer's fault, but they are influencing the NRA to their current frenzied state. And that is where she has issues. Yeah. And Joe see, says I'm, capitalism rules. And see, that's, you know, I'm not arguing that point because, you know, I agree. Like, you know, it isn't, but, you know, it's part of it is the lobbyists that, you know, that have the huge gun fascinations that go in. You know, it's not, I think this, I, for, first of all, I think the issue is, it's it shouldn't be politicized like one side shouldn't be like oh guns are bad and the other side you know just walking around waving their guns it's a sad state of affairs when that has happened mm-hmm. because you know like I said earlier guns don't kill people it's it's a tool that you know Honestly, the tool should be used how it's meant, not for destruction of another human being. Yeah, I understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do want to say that I definitely don't disagree with Janet on what should be banned. I mean, if these armor-piercing bullets, there's yeah, no reason I really that don't they should disagree, exist. Though. Yeah, I really don't myself. It's it's just on you know the the one point of whether we should be suing the individuals that own businesses or not but that is one of the fun parts of this program is that we get to sometimes find disagreements on this issue and uh big surprise tonight uh john is the most conservative among us but (laughs) before we continue you know i think i think it's because you know like i've grown up around guns my whole life like Mm -hmm. my parents were hunters um you know and i've grown up as a hunter and, you know, it's 
like I said, it's a sad state of affairs when, you know, people are more worried about the object than the person who has them. Mm. Yeah, but like Kat, you know, says, Caitlin, uh, the NRA is the manufacturer's lobby. And if they're say, they're saying doctors can't even ask people if they have guns or they're secured, I want them to be sued. I want uh, it to the point where the insurance companies aren't going to insure until we can all sit down and get some stuff going. And it is the NRA and the manufacturers who don't want background checks and licensing. You know, I don't I don't think that it should be taken all away. But yes, if we don't go after everybody along the chain. Nothing's going to change. It's, I mean, I hate to, I hate to use this term, but, you know, honestly, it's kind of a slippery slope because, you know, like, um, when every time I've been admitted to the hospital, um, one of the questions is, you know, when you're fully admitted is, are you depressed or have you had thoughts of, you know, harming yourself? Spoiler Spoiler alert, I have had those thoughts in the past. Um, But, you know, it's, I think the responsibility relies on the person to tell the truth. Like, you know, you can, you can lie about anything you want to, you know, it's, um, but, you know, I think. Yeah, but if you're bat crap crazy, you're not gonna, you're not gonna think anything that you're thinking is wrong. Exactly, Janet. That's what I'm saying is you can lie about anything, you know. You can have the most extreme, you know, views that are wrong. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not integral to the process of where we need to be, you know, having the word ban come into play. Because once you use the word ban then that's when people get more uppity than they already are. All right. All I know is MLK got killed by a gun. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> that. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm saying that, you know. I know. We're talking about manufacturers getting sued and small if, business owners. And, um, and, and you know, you're more conservative on that than I am. Or I maybe I'm more conservative because... I think that people need to go to classes. I think you ought to be able to prove you know how to do it. I think guns need to be locked up. I think there are bullets ought to cost a thousand a bullet. You know? But of course then that only means the very wealthy will get bullets, but Okay, okay. Now with that argument, okay. Then what about what about the you know, the hunter? You know, living in Montana, we're not a very rich state. You know, we live paycheck to paycheck. You know, we can't. Right, that's a exactly, point. You got it. We can't exactly go down to the grocery store where beef is like one of those five pound things is like 10 bucks. You know, I can't swing that. My sister can't swing that. So, you know, going and buying a tag for $6 and, you know, yeah. Well, licensing 40 pounds of meat for that $6, you know. Well, there's got to be some kind of place we can meet in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Now, Nova brings up a good point that like classes are a great thing. 
that's how I learned, you know, the gun safety etiquette is through hunter safety. And yes, Caitlin, hunters need licensing to be able to hunt. In Montana, you go to hunter safety and you take a test. Um, when I was, it's the hunting age is at 12. So the, you have to get an 86 on the test in order to pass. Um, it's mostly, like I said, it's like any class. You go in and you learn and you retain that knowledge to pass a test. And part of that test is, and part of the class is learning how to shoot and care for your gun. You know, all yeah. of our guns are locked up. Yeah, I think classes are definitely a <clears throat> well, very... Person, personally, me, I don't keep mine locked up because I live by myself. And I live in the, right in the middle of the hood. <laughs> so I sleep with mine. <laughs> I understand. But, you know, if I had, like, a child here, you know, it would be different. You know, I I have to have it locked up, unloaded. Yeah, and absolutely. Up, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I could not... Um, I, I certainly understand Joey's circumstance of why he doesn't lock up his gun. And as far as classes are concerned, you know, I 100% agree. I, I think that they need to be a thing, that they need to exist in all 50 states, that they need to be a requirement for licensure. Um, if you don't know how to operate a gun, you have no business using it. it just like you can't right. operate a car without having a driver's license. There can Can I bring up another point? Sure, we'll do um, that, and then we'll Caitlin, have to break. How many children have died because one of their siblings found and shot a found a gun and shot them by accident? In quotes. Mm. Okay, the thing there is, it was the parents' responsibility. As a parent, well, I'm not a parent, but you know, as somebody who loves, who has nephews, or has a nephew and four nieces, you know, it's your job to make sure that these dangerous things are, you know, are safe. Mm. They're not, um, okay. Adam, Adam has a great point though. Why can't we pursue smart gun technology? What is the NRA afraid of? And, you know, guns are, are still, you know, they're still pretty primitive from when they started. Smart guns would be a great thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to preach like, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, uh, they're coming for our guns, which is, you know, going back to the whole banning thing. That is, that is smart because I don't want nobody, no criminal to get a hold of my gun mm-hmm. and do some damage with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think smart gun technology would definitely be the intelligent way to go. And we discussed that, of course, on the program last week when we went over Obama's audio about using... um you know, the technology that we presently have to make our guns more safer. And I hope that we do ultimately do that and that we invest in that more in the future. Uh, but what we're going to go ahead and do right now is head to a break. Uh, when we come back, we will go to don't know shit from applesauce. And that will be our last segment before sister Joe comes on the program. So don't change that dial and stay tuned for more Southern progressive revival. You're listening to Southern progressive revival. One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. 
We need to make sure that our education systems are in place. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Light out everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. (laughs) This is Adam Hebert, a man with breathtaking anger management issues and i hope that you will listen to my program mic check radio with adam hebert live every saturday night 7 to 10 p.m eastern every week on mic check radio me and my co-hosts rob Poole and kenny pig will talk about the week's news with righteous indignation facts and a large dose of comedy inconceivable join us as we try to answer the question of just how many republican douchebags there are in washington dc over (laughs) 9,000! We'll also crown our assholes of the week during our program. You are the leading asshole in the state. Finally on our show, we'll also talk about the latest in news from video games, comic books, film, science, anime, and manga. All for your entertainment and learning pleasure. Well, that sounds really shallow and stupid. Let's try it. Don't forget, that's Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, and only here on Indie Media Weekly Radio. For those who dare. Oh, and Cranker demands that you listen to our program. <laughs> you are crazier than a crap fight in a monkey house. Listen to Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern for three hours of news, opinion, and laughs. This is what comedian and talk show host John Fugelsang has to say about Turn Up the Night. You guys really walk a good line of having it be really collegial and really having a, a show that, you know, blends the uh, intelligence with the irreverence, which is the hardest balance to pull off. Still not convinced you should listen to Turn Up the Night? Well, listen to what legendary writer, actor, and comedian Rick Overton has to say. I just don't think we can use the mainstream news for much anymore. I'm, I'd much rather go to you than to CNN for anything. You know, I would trust what my friends have to say more. Well, who can argue with that? Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. Declare your independence and reject corporate media. This is Indie Media Weekly, your number one source for independent media. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. Too busy giving tax handouts to large corporations, the Republicans haven't been working for the middle class. And as a result, many families are still struggling to make ends meet. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. It is my honor to welcome back my beautiful, beautiful co-host, uh, beginning, of course, with Mr. John Arthur Kendall from Missoula, Montana. Welcome back to the show, sir. Currently, uh, chat is turned against me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love 
this though because we in the south are are accused of being too conservative all the time so you know <laughs> welcome to our world john kendall enjoy your assimilation <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean you know it's like mon people from montana can get really fucking heated about this stuff mm-hmm. i understand yep every single state has their things and montana probably has more going on with the south culturally than it does the north so you know just one of them things uh but of course joining us as well the man whose birthday we are celebrating the man who is the cool black dude mr joey word from nashville tennessee welcome back sir um half the man i used to be <laughs> <laughs> i love stolen talents yeah they <laughs> are awesome yeah, and you can listen to them on Plaid Sundays, airing every Sunday from yeah. 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. man. Grunge, grunge, grunge. <laughs> yeah, I, I hung out with a few grunge, grunge dudes myself, man, back in the 90s. You Beautiful. get away from them crazy cops, man, you know. Yeah. I hung out with them fellas, man. I had fun, dude. Yeah. I even had my plaid man. shirt, my boots, my shorts, you know. Mm-hmm. Dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I'll listen to Nirvana. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nirvana's the best. They're definitely my yeah. favorite. Kurt Cobain. We miss you. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah. before I get emotional. Do, <laughs> we welcome back to the program our very own Ms. Producer, Ms. Janet Lee, who hates grunge with all of her heart and soul from yes. Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. <laughs> I am. Really, really, really. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like in the eighties? Uh, the nineties. Well, it started in the eighties technically, well, but it ran the majority. Well, see, I was having babies through back the nineties. I wasn't too tied into grunge. Well, yeah, so yeah, I was it really, lucky. It really, I was lucky. It really got uh, it really got recognition real big in the nineties because Kirk Cobain when he came out, because mm-hmm. you know a whole lot of rock rock bands in the nineties was sucked sucked and you know and when he came out i was like oh man this dude sounds good hey trump <laughs> xx said yes janet internet high five live in seattle i live in seattle nirvana is terrible oh nirvana no oh, nirvana i'm sorry no it's okay it's okay well that's okay and i found out because sister joe uh, use the shit word in chat, and if you just type a little star, you can get it out. Really? On chat. And, huh. you know, how you can't type it. That anyway, really never mind. Weird. Yeah, I, I really, speaking of which, I, I know that a lot of you have complained about uh, how the auto moderation works in the chat, uh, which I'm unable to attend because I am not that good at multitasking but um <laughs> uh i'm looking into it uh, i've tried a few times to fix whatever the issues are that make it different from turn up the night's chat i haven't yet figured out what they are but eventually we will get it done uh but in the interim please bear with us i do very much appreciate your patience um Ooh, adam did it wait you can't say shit here it oh adam did it up. huh very cool well there you go <laughs> well adam perhaps i will uh tug your ear after the show and we'll look into my chat room and see what's wrong with it but anyway uh we are going to go ahead i said shit too (laughs) so so basically it's a poop fest in the chat room right now is what you're telling me we're back to our bathroom humor i swear (laughs) from pee to poop all in three weeks we got another we got another usage of the word (laughs) 
Well, speaking of that word, we are going ahead and jump into, uh, and I, I can... I, I guess I can comfortably say it since it's in the title. Don't know shit from Applesauce. And we're definitely skipping the first story that we had planned for you. So let's go ahead and start that now. All I ask from you is a very simple answer to a very simple question. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? But I will ask that everyone please behave. He's a lunatic. I'm telling you. Can I help you with that? Y'all don't know shit from Applesauce. <laughs> All right, welcome to the part of the show where we speak about people who don't know shit from applesauce. Adam says, Jonathan, it's crazy in a crap fight in a monkey house in here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone. It's, oh. I, love, I love the, the end of that jingle, though. Yes, that that was brought to my brought to you by my mother, who thinks that Joey is hot. By the way, so ha ha. Oh really? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, honey. (laughs) Thank you. I'm blushing now. Yeah, there's there's a secret. uh, Just so the listeners know, there's a secret love quadrangle behind the scenes of Southern Progressive Revival that Joey is in the center of. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which we will keep secret. We we will keep it a secret. But do know that it is full of drama. (laughs) (laughs) Next week on Indie Media Weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Who will Joey Word present his rose to? No. So (laughs) Oh Lord. By God, by God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there, uh, of course, this is the MLK Joey special. And one of the things that we wanted to focus on, uh, although we're not getting to quite as many stories as I'd hoped tonight, uh, were instances of discrimination. Now, this is a really interesting one to me in particular. We don't have any audio for this story, but uh, really wanted to bring it to you. Um, there is an evangelical school... Uh, outside of Chicago called Wheaton College. And they are in the process of letting go tenured professors uh, and professors beneath them who believe that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. So I kind of wanted to preface this by stating that I grew up in a Baptist church. I'm no longer a Baptist, but even growing up in a Baptist church, which is considered to be an incredibly uh, fundy church, we were taught that Muslims are the children of Ishmael. And Ishmael is, of course, the son of Abraham and his handmaiden before he had... um, I'm forgetting. Anyway, never mind. That's not really important. But anyway, I grew up in a fundy church which stated that they're the descendants of Ishmael and that God promised to Ishmael that his offspring would eventually go on and would have their own influence and that they would be fine. Um, Muslims believe that as well, that they are the descendants of Ishmael. And that was what I was taught. So why there's suddenly this disconnect from other fundamentalists that Muslims and Christians don't worship the same God at the end of the day is really confusing to me. Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me from a scriptural viewpoint um, at all. Um, 
Joey, when you went to church when you were young, did they teach anything on that at all? Uh, no, man, I'd never... I never heard of anything like that. You know, the churches I went to, to it was like uh, we loved everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you were. We loved everybody. And, and we tried, you know, to preach a preach word of God and Jesus. And, you know, it wasn't we didn't hear nothing about Muslims or nothing like that, man, in, in the church. You know, the preachers always, you know, try to save the souls that's in the congregation mm-hmm. and try to save the souls that's out of the congregation. You know, I, you know, I was I grew up as a, a Southern Baptist myself, and you know, I strayed away from it. You know, I still every now and then I may go with my mom because you know she's you know she's she's stone cold of Southern Baptist. You know what I'm saying? And and, <laughs> yeah. and I respect that, and I go with her every now and then. But, but you know, I grew up in a church where the preacher was preaching so hard that you can't understand nothing but the word "Amen." <laughs> oh, mother, oh, mother. Oh, mother. Amen. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they get down, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it, 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 they real hard on that, you know, and, and, but we, we never, we never, uh, down anyone, you know, uh, we, you know, and the way, the way he came to us was like, don't care what religion that we, you know, we, we were in, we all did work. We all do worship the same God. Mm-hmm. That's the way I was taught and the way I was brought up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, John, I mean, you know, you're an atheist. Um, I'm sure, as you well know, it's generally accepted that Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are all Abrahamic religions. They all derive from the same father, uh, whether he be fictitious or not. And as such, all three worship the same God. So... How can you look at an evangelical college like this firing tenured professors for saying that Muslims and Christians worship the same God as being anything other than discrimination against Muslims and those who support them, even in the vaguest of terms? It's I I think it's it's disingenuous, like to an educator, because you know, as an educator, you know, one of the goals I think of, I think is to make your students, you know, think or do research hence like research papers or writing, um, like small one page little write-ups, you know, that's not a complete research paper, just, you know, a small little bit of research. So it's, it's, I think it's just, um, it's, oh, what am I thinking? It, it tries, they're trying to stifle people. They're basically trying to stifle people from what they're saying. You know, it's, you know, it's, if it's a private college, then, you know, like, I don't know. It's iffy. It's It's hinky. It's very hinky. It's incredibly hinky. And, uh, you know, like you said, they're trying to stifle their their speech. Uh, Janet, this really, I mean, I know it's a private college, but at the same time, this this all came about because of a female professor who posted on Facebook that, you know, that Christians and Muslims 
worship the same God and that as a movement in solidarity, she was going to wear a hijab. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're stating that they've just reached an impasse and that's why they're letting her go. But and that it had nothing to do with the hijab. But I mean, what, what, what do you look at this as? I also look at this as, um, white male dominance. This is a black female that said this. She's one of the very few that are at this college. She's a tenured professor. She's been um, published. She was trying to teach exactly what uh, John was talking about, but in so many schools anymore, they're trying to get the right funny mentalism as one of the writers, somebody in chat, I think that was Nova said, or Caitlin, funny um, mentalism. Um, And they're trying to get rid of tenured teachers like Joe was talking about because they can get cheaper people in that'll teach whatever bunk they want taught. So I think there's a lot of things going on here. And she was pushing them at this private school to think. And at this school, they have to tell people that they adhere to the Christian beliefs of that college. And she's saying she did that. She ha- she writes that out every year. But um, her proceedings, they put her on her administrative leave when she said that. And she said that she stands with them because, like me, a Christian, um, they're people of the book. Um, it's women in solidarity with hijabs is my Christmas wish this year. And that's why she got fired. And her response when she said that the theological indicates the relationship of Christianity to Islam, and like Adam had said earlier, uh, uh, Islam and is Ishmael was part of the covenant of God. So... You know, it's just ridiculous because all three faiths do worship the same God. And she wrote it out specifically. And this this one guy just plain wasn't taking it. So she has to go in front of a panel. And that panel will give their recommendations. But the final decision is still the board of trustees and this guy, whether she gets to keep her job or not. It's just terrible. And you and I'm glad that you, you brought up the points that Sister Joe did and thank you, Adam, for uh confirming that, you know, that they are part of God's covenant. But you know, if if she had been a white man as opposed to a black woman standing up for other women of color who are also marginalized and disenfranchised as she is, do you think that this would have happened? I really I I don't think that it would have. Joey. I'm sorry, man. No, it's no it wouldn't have, man. It, it wouldn't have. Uh, this right here kind of bugs me because I'm like, you know, this is supposed to be a Christian school. I thought y'all were supposed to be good Christian folks. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is not what Jesus would want it. If y'all do believe it, what, what God are y'all worshiping? 
you know, yeah. where I grew up, people <laughs> like this, you know what I'm saying? They're on the devil's side. They're worshiping the golden calf, as Bernie yeah. Sanders famously said. So, <laughs> oh yeah, gosh, man, you know it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, this woman had to go through all this mess on kind of just saying that, mm-hmm. you know, just them, them little small words. Yeah, a Facebook post. And, you know, I I wouldn't teach at that school. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go to that school if I was, you know, one one. You know, to, to get seek, if I was seeking that type of education. Mm-hmm. On the same hand, no when you're tenured, uh, you know, you do get some privileges with, like, associate per- professors. You don't get go up the pay scale and uh, you get crap classes. And I mean, Joe could talk about more about that, but um, she was tenured and then her private school went under or got sold. And so she's been doing the associate professor thing now at different colleges, you know, taking classes that the tenured ones don't want basically. Mm -hmm. And, trying to make sure all the classes equal a certain amount a month. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It really is. We have a very flawed... She discriminated because she was a woman and she was black. I think so. I think so. I really do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I think so. I think think that, you know, personally. (laughs) Because she followed all of the questions regarding the implication of her statements. And uh, she indicated that her relationship with Christianity, and um, but they said they wanted further theological clarification. So she had to reaffirm again. She had to get you know go through a lawyer, but she can't bring her lawyer into this next hearing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which I, how come she can't? Because that's their policy. They told her that she couldn't do it because she's a black woman. I think so, and I'm, you know, <laughs> she said something nice about Muslims. Yeah, how? I mean, how dare you be kind to somebody? Yeah, else. Yeah, how dare you show We're the love Christians. of God? We ain't supposed to be kind to other <laughs> religions. <laughs> oh gosh, it's insane. Well, oh. and also she got uh, censored before because she wrote a paper relating to the Bible, to African-American liberation theology. And then she started advocating Wheaton diversify its curriculum. Mm -hmm. And um, so this guy is just like, then after her. Yeah, I mean, and that in and of itself is complete crap because Christianity would be nothing without syncretism. We have borrowed from Greek uh, philosophy, we, we've borrowed from many pagan religions. What we have in Christianity is the conflation of so many different ideas and practices and faiths and traditions throughout the course of history that you can't help but make those parallels because they're universal parallels. Because we wanted in the early church to be as inclusive as possible it wasn't always done for good reasons. I'm not going to forgive, um, you know, the the Inquisition or anything. That that was a terrible, terrible thing. But it's just it's ridiculous. It's it's absolute. I, I'm I'm sorry. This is flustering me. But anyway, uh, John Kendall, I will let you have the last word on this story before I move on to s- some news from Nashville. Um, you know, 
like I think everything has been said. It's it's shocking to me that you know it's basically a conform or unemployment kind of situation. Like, oh hey, you know we want you to do this. Well, you know there it's stifling her every right to say whatever the hell she wants. Mm-hmm. It so. really is. Yeah. Okay, so I spoke of the golden calf earlier. Uh, you know, that that's who these people are worshipping. Uh, famous quote from Bernie Sanders, of course. But, um, and from the Bible, for that matter. But uh, the Nashville Affordable Housing uh, Authority has had a policy that they presented that was criticized and disapproved by Nashville. Uh, this was a story that Joey brought to our attention, and I wanted to give him a chance to comment on it. But I'm going to be <clears throat> yeah. greeting directly from the WSMV.com website. Uh, that's... Um, that is, of course, uh, local Channel 4 in Nashville, which is an NBC affiliate. Um, a proposed system of financial incentives designed to spur affordable housing in Nashville has been voted down by the Metro Planning Commission. Media outlets report that on a six-month deadline, a consultant and Metro Planning staff put together a highly technical zoning ordinance. The ordinance set up incentives for developers that build affordably. During a public hearing Thursday, no one spoke in favor of the policy. Affordable housing advocates said the proposal should have gone further. Others, like Dirk Melton of Market Street Enterprises, argued that the proposal would eliminate development bonuses to developers who build eco-friendly buildings or incorporate public parking in projects. The commissioner said planners were rushed in their work and that the Nashvillians need more time to weigh in. Next month, the legislation will go before the Metro Council, who will have the ultimate say. Um, so, you know... I have. Yeah, I, I live here. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, exactly. Uh, so you get I, all the words. The on reason it. why I brought to this attention is because this this sets a prime example on why we need to vote in these local elections. Even though, yes, we got a uh, the first female Democratic mayor in Nashville, but there's still lawmakers, you know, trying to make up silly laws to to keep poor people down, you know. So I've been seeing like, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of a victim of it myself of a landlord selling his property to for millions of dollars for these Lego houses to be built up. I call them Lego houses because they number a bunch of blocks, three story condos all over Nashville, and even in the middle of primarily black neighborhoods. And I just wanted to bring this to y'all attention, you know. And it's going on in all over Nashville. It's going on all over everywhere, especially in these big towns. And uh, for that right there to happen, you know, people, you know, people can't afford them houses because these, these houses are like, I say, like from a hundred thousand to a half a million dollars for one of these darn brick, these block houses, these Lego houses. Sorry about that. I had a coughing spell. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 terrible. I mean, you you try to come up with a solution to encourage people to build cheaper, to get more people into these helms, and then you you block them. And I, you know, you you can look at the point that was made by the one individual on the council stating that you know this didn't give incentives to developers that would do public parking lots along with the development or would do something eco-friendly but 
in the interim, in, in, in real reality, there are poor people in the South, particularly uh, in places like Tennessee and in a lot of Appalachia, where there is a very low amount of public housing available. And what we have to do to get them in homes is to break with tradition to get creative. And in okay. answer to that creativity, they were slapped in the face. And I, I think that it's a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say we need to vote in these local elections, you know, from the from the, uh, the senators on up, you know, mm-hmm. up to the governor. You know, the, even the during what they call them, they, uh, I forgot the name, man, but, you know, it's a guy that represents neighborhoods and stuff like that. You know, the representatives and stuff like that represent the neighborhoods in these little small districts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we, we need to get out there, man, and get some of these people out of there. Yeah. So we absolutely. can be able to live, you know, with dignity, tell the mm-hmm. truth, you know, because it's a lot of hardworking people in this town, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I live here. I've been living here all my life. You know, and, and, and me by me, me being in the hood, yeah, you've got a handful of little bad little apples. But, you know, it's a whole lot of hardworking people in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That want something, you know, shoot, I don't want to be in the hood. I'm out, you know, it's a whole lot of people. I don't want to be here all my life. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I'd love to be here, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not fair. It's not ethical at all mm-hmm. on any grounds, no matter what perspective you look at it from. But uh, we have got to run to break here real quick so that we can get Sister Joe on the call. So we'll be calling her once we get back from break. Uh, but everybody, please stay tuned to Southern Progressive Revival. This should be a very exciting interview. And uh, our very own Ms. Janet Lee will be leading it up because I think that she knows uh, Sister Joe just a little bit. Just just a tiny, a skosh, if you will. So <laughs> stay tuned. Just here. a tad. Just a tad. Sister Joe. Yes, Sister indeed. Joe. So, <laughs> so stay tuned stay tuned here for more Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws, we pay our taxes, we fly our flags on holidays, and we plot along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Bells are ringing in the distance. Dogs are barking at the You're burning up that garbage Somebody's looking for a fight Old Frank's out hunting with his night scope In the backwoods quiet as a mile Even in broad daylight Couldn't hit the broad side of the house Work hard all day Now it's 
jets have turned into speed bumps. Slow down when you drive between the cones. Old pickup beds all rusted in the front yard. No one tries to keep up with Mr. Jones. Work hard all day. Now it's time to unload when the sun Southern Progressive Revival. One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the last hour of Southern Progressive Revival for this episode 19. We will be bringing Sister Joe onto the show here in just a moment. But before I do that, I do want to welcome back my phenomenal co-host, beginning with our very own Ms. Producer, the lady who will be leading this interview, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hello, Janet. Whoops, I forgot. <laughs> yes, hi everybody. I'm so excited to bring my sister on and introduce her. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we are excited to meet her, I have to say. And uh, of course, our junior uh, co-host, as it were, but the star at Mike Check Radio, which airs from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern every Saturday here on Indie Media Weekly, Mr. John Kendall from Missoula, Montana. Welcome back, sir. There's so much excitement. Come on. Don't you have a waka waka for us? Waka waka. Nothing funny <laughs> has been said yet. Not yet. <clears throat> but I'm sure that we'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, the <laughs> man of the show, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, sir. Hey, guys. Hello, my fellow Southerners. Yes. Good to be here. Yes, it's good to have you, sir. And uh, Ms. Janet, if you do not mind adding your sister to the call, we will start off our Southern hospitality for the evening. All right. I am calling her right now. Very cool. Hopefully she picks it up. All right. There, I can hear it. We're going to play the jingle so you don't have to hear the ring. Southern hospitality. It is my privilege to extend to you a laurel and hearty handshake. Whatever you take a notion to, I don't aim to put you out none. That's mighty neighborly. Bless your heart. Hello, hello. Hey, Joe. Hi, Lee. How are you? Janet, how are you? You're going to have to turn your radio down. Okay, well, then I can't hear me. Okay, it's down. Okay, can you hear you now? I can hear me now. Can you hear me now? Yep. All right, I'm going to introduce you. This All right. Is Joe, my sister, um, Joe <laughs> Peterson, Nebraska chapter of the National Association of Social Workers out of Lincoln, keeping North Omaha safe for everyone or knows, the Kwame Center. 
She is a website facilitator and volunteer for activities related to reducing violence in North Omaha. She is dialoguing for Foundation Change, UNO Community Engagement Center. Um, she is a dialogue and action group seeking foundational change, current project, coordinated activity, planning to mobilize and coordinate efforts to stop the Keystone Pipeline in Nebraska um, with the National Association of Social Workers, Nebraska Chapter of the Nebraskans for Peace at UNO, New Covenant Center for Peace and Justice Keeping in North Omaha, and many, 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 many others. This woman rocks and is totally driven. She is published, and she has written a manual on uh, mediation and organization. I am proud to introduce my sister, Jo. Yay! Yay! Oh, this is cool. Hi, John, Jonathan, Joey, and Hello. Janet. We're all the J's. <laughs> yes, we are the four J's. Well, hey, Sister Joe, how you doing, sugar? Oh, sir, I gotta say, this is I am blushing just to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you. I love your voice, sweetheart. Oh my goodness, no, I really am blushing. <laughs> it's nice to be here. This is awesome, especially Martin Luther King Day. So this is like. Uh, I I get very nervous when I do any sorts of. I mean, when I'm standing in front of a classroom, I feel like I'm in control, but I definitely know I'm not in control here. So this is um, a little scary, but I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, well, we we we're thrilled to have you, and uh, I, I have to keep a promise that I made earlier in the show, and that's to wish you a happy belated birthday with our brand new banjo. Happy birthday! So here you go, ma'am. Thank you. That was awesome. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yes, I mean, I I didn't even think to even say anything about the XL because you're really big on that and you're uh, to stop the ban, the XL Keystone Pipeline and huge into uh, the nuclear power saying, you know, getting that crap under control. Yes, and she has talked in front of legislatures and all kinds of stuff. Um, This has been my life. This has been my life. (laughs) Yes, it has, and you've almost gone to jail, and I've been like, no, don't go to jail. jail. Just just for the record, I have gone to jail, but we don't tell mom that. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't tell mom that. No. Yeah, I've been arrested. (laughs) Yeah, I, I <laughs> yes. Well, I saw you in um, handcuffs. You've got a picture of it. Has she not seen that picture? Well, that was, yeah, that was, yeah. But more than once, yeah. Ah. More than once. Well, we got some time. Yeah, that was, that was at the base. I mean, when I was actually processed and taken into, like, a cell, was at, um, it was, we were, I, we did a die-in in front of the Quest Center downtown. 
And the question, and they were selling weapons to weaponize satellites in space, which is against all international treaties. And they were selling them like as barkers. And anyway, so we, we died in front of them and uh, wouldn't let people get in by their wares. And so they, they arrested us. But that was, it wasn't so bad. Except, like, uh, a few months later, Mom and Daryl were both being honored at the Quest Center, and I was banned from the Quest Center. <laughs> I was banned and barred that night. I went ahead and went for a formal thing for them. So that was fun. So you got banned anyway, from going in? I was banned, yeah. I had, I had, I have, they won't let me in the Quest Center ever. I am, I am banned for life. I can't go to the Quest Center. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what did Mom and Daryl wow. say? They didn't know. I didn't tell them. I thought, how funny that would be if um, they, they busted me. I mean, well, who cares? I'm like, what are they going to do? So, what are they going to do, throw me in jail? That was sort of funny. Oh. You, never mind. Yeah. Anyway. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the first time. I can tell you stories. But, yes, you yeah. can. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't tell folks in my family, Lee, you know that. I know. Well, I, I, I usually get it out of you when I start walking around your house looking at pictures, but I didn't know that one. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, my Rebel Rouser sister um, is really into nonviolence. She's an organizer, and I thought it would be kind of nice to know a little bit about organizing. And Okay. What you think about MLK uh, and his, how that relates to what we're trying to do now? I mean, okay. has the issues of it changed at all from him till now? Oh, I think he was just ahead of his time. I think he was trying to make the connections between poverty and militarism and racism. And that's what his last uh, speech was about um, when he spoke about Vietnam. And it, there, it's a wonderful speech. It's on YouTube. And just, you know, type in Martin Luther King, Vietnam, and you'll, you'll hear the whole speech. And he weaves it all together. And that really cost him a lot in the civil rights struggle And he, uh, when he started making those connections. So, yeah, it, it's definitely gone on. I mean, it definitely connects today. But I, I feel like... To start, though, I need to make a premise because I think a lot of times you and I have talked about we circle around the drain sort of about the same issues. Why are people so crazy? Why do they do this stuff? How do we stop them? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I need to start with my premise, and that's that social problems are problems of people living together. And that from tribes, we live together. And when we, uh, we had to make certain arrangements so that we could survive, and it might have been housing, and it might have been food collection, and how we would um, bring, how we would arrange our structures, how we would divide our resources, and that becomes sort of a political economy as well as an economy. And those social institutions that were created through education, or you know, criminal justice, or even our decision-making bodies. Um, were set up by people who then wanted to maintain that power. So the social arrangements were created by individuals, and when they are arranged unequally, that creates uh, creates problems. 
And so it's, they're human creations, and so they can be changed by humans. And I think a lot of times people think these are somehow gifts from God. You know, boom, here's a church, boom, here's a school. But not, no, these were created by people so they can be changed by people. So I guess I just want to start there. And when people talk about organizing, we're really not talking about uh, organizing at all. We're talking about disorganizing, and we're talking about disorganizing those unequal power arrangements. And how do we disorganize becomes the question. How do we disorganize those arrangements? Does that make sense? Yes, and I wanted you to talk about that because you have mentioned that before. And, and I think uh, it, it is to start sort of with understanding that um, we do a lot of things. I'm a social worker, so we do a lot of things to make living in these social arrangements easier. And they can go from, oh, like social service delivery systems or self-help groups or even education. But that doesn't do anything to change the power arrangements. The power arrangements are changed either through direct action, which is the kinds of things of boycotts and getting arrested and um, interrupting the the, um, the flow, sort of, of the powers that be, and doing advocacy work. And I think sometimes people think, well, I'm doing advocacy if I'm working on behalf of uh, people, and people are, but it doesn't change the power arrangements. Do you know what I mean? If we're giving out food stamps, um, that's great. People need those things. But that doesn't alter why people need food stamps. And that's where direct action and advocacy and activism come into play, because that's what we're looking at. So when you say disruption, you're talking about, like, so King actually was a disruptor. Direct action is disrupting the the, the social arrangements that are unequal. And the idea is, how do I disrupt the power uh, structures that are creating this inequality, and by disrupting that and keep disrupting, that's how you get the notice, and eventually things change at drip drip. You know, because well, not 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 really. I mean, it's it's organized more organized than that because a lot of times people are sort of well, look at the guys that are in um, what are those guys with that the tent man or whatever he is that's sitting out there. They're they're doing a disruptive act. They're saying, we want to get power back from the federal government, and we want this land. They're doing a direct action. They're actually doing that. Uh, But their principles are bad, if you know what I mean. Their principles are all about mm, individualism, that this is what they want. And And because they are the majority, and you think about the majority, who is the majority group? And the majority is the dominant group. And in our society, the dominant group are straight, white men, typically, with power. Right. And that power arrangement serves them. And so as long as they can benefit from an unequal power arrangement, um, they're going to resist somebody who's trying to change the power arrangement of a majority or a dominant group. So you'd ask, are you following me? Yeah. Anna? How about okay, you guys? So- Does anybody have any questions? Uh, I Well, I actually do have uh, several questions for later down the line, but what she's saying uh, right now is, is very, very beautiful and very true. So I am listening with open ears. Me too. Okay, well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to set up the premise that these, these, these arrangements, these 
social institutions are set up to benefit some folks, but they don't benefit all folks. And over time, they've come to benefit the majority culture so much, and we wonder why don't people want to change. It's because they're benefiting from that unequal power arrangement, and they don't want it to change because that means they would have to change, and they have to see um, their place in the world differently. And so when we talk about people that are racist and we, we're hearing them say things that uh, people can you know, consider politically incorrect, well, politically correct is important. Because if somebody continues to be able to disparage a group of people, uh, that maintains that power arrangement. You ah. see what I mean? And we, mm. and we want to continue to uh, reinforce that these power arrangements need to be changed. And being politically correct is one way of using our words carefully so that um, we can dis- disrupt that majority power. But it, it, something that comes up oftentimes, and, and I hear people talk about uh, the slaves that came off the ships. Well, in my classes, I'm really, really careful to say people were not slaves. People were enslaved. And that's yes. a big difference. Yes. Because if you talk about being enslaved, then the focus goes off of the person who has been oppressed and violated, and it goes on to the oppressor. And, and we need to keep the focus on the oppressor as opposed to the person that's being oppressed. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And, and so the, the um, you know, and I'm just rambling on because I'm standing here in my office just talking to myself. It's kind of weird. So interrupt, but... Um, <laughs> no, you're interesting. <laughs> you're educating and you're interesting. Keep going. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about King. You were saying, how is King relevant today? And how is King relevant to um, a nonviolent movement building struggle, you know, and that's what you were asking earlier. And if you go to, there's a, there's a website uh, called the kingcenter.org, mm-hmm. and it is, uh, it's all about Martin Luther King, and then there's a page there about the King Center um, philosophy, dot dash philosophy or something, and it has a list of the six steps of nonviolent social change. Before I became a so, I'm just because parenthetically, before I became a social worker, um, and I was doing organizing on land use issues uh, way back before the EPA or during the EPA while it was being created and being strengthened, but I really didn't have a guideline as to how to organize. And I had tried a lot of organizing um, tactics or in the past, and they hadn't gone so well. I got fired and. Um, you know, run out of town on a rail and that sort of thing. And I realized I needed a plan to be more effective in my organizing. And I uh, stumbled across the, these six steps of nonviolent social change, and I think they're better than even the social work outline that they have, and I still go to it. And so King said that there were six basic steps. The first one was educate yourself. And he would say that the first step of any organizing strategy is to do that information gathering, and then inform yourself everything you can about the problem. And I usually have like students write this problem statement about an issue, and so they have to look at who are the people that it affects, how does it affect them, how much does it cost, how much will it cost if it doesn't get changed. Um, they try to look, learn about all the networks, all the people that are trying to fight that fight, um, who are the people that, who's for it, who's against it, that sort of thing, because you have to know the other side 
really, really well. And the important thing about any kind of social issue that you're, you know, approaching is that you want to be able to analyze the power that uh, both sides have. And a lot of times uh, people are looking at a social problem or a social issue and they don't know who to believe because there's so much, you know, bullshit out there. And so to say, well, okay, let's look at any social problem, pick one, you know, pick anything. I would say privatized prisons, for example, okay? Then you could say, uh, in, in a policy analysis goes something like, who wins, who loses, who pays, and who governs? So who wins with a privatized prison? The prison, I mean, the people that are making money, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the court folks. Right. But who wins? I got a, in a, a, huh? I have a, I have a question for you. Uh, yes. what do you how, how do you feel about some of these people on the right uh, trying to hijack uh, uh, King, uh, Dr. King's legacy, knowing good and well if he was alive today, he would probably be treated worse than the president right now. How do you feel about that? Well, I think it's, it sucks, but anybody that tries to disrupt the power arrangements as they are, the existing power arrangements of white, male, straight, Christian, right? When anybody mm-hmm. tries to disrupt that power structure, they're subversive. And they are they are painted as subversive, and um, so would he be, and so was he, because as soon as he got, as soon as Johnson made some sort of uh, concessions to the civil rights movement, when King saw that, wait a minute, this is just the beginning, this is connected to poverty, this is connected to militarism, this is connected, this all these connections are there. He started to see that Johnson, first of all stepped back and didn't start funding the social programs like Head Start and the, um, those cap agencies that, he, that Johnson was supposed to fund, and then he stopped funding them, mm-hmm. King said, well, where's the money going? Oh, it's going to weapons of war. You see what I mean? And then he started yeah. talking about that. He started saying, well, look where the money is going instead of these social programs. And, oh, by the way, he would say, you know, the black man that's going to war and dying because it's mostly the poor that go to war. And the people that may go to war is not because they're more patriotic. It's because they don't have another, a better choice in terms of job or yeah. avenue to get to college. And, so yeah, and, it's, still, and it's still going on today. That, that, that is oh, still going right. on today. That's, absolutely. That's the point. And so, so he would, and that's what he was saying in that, that speech that he said about Vietnam. He said, you know, so we're... We're, see, here we see poor folks going off to war um, because they're impoverished here at home. And when they come home, if they're black, they here were fighting for freedom for people supposedly in Vietnam. But when they come home, they have no freedom. And so mm-hmm. King started advocating for people not to go to war and not to go to Vietnam. That didn't make him any friends. Well, this and, this is one saying today that made me feel real good. It was a it was a couple of guys that uh, they they deceased now. They was Tuskegee Airmen. They were asked the question, "How can you fight for a country that hates you?" And you know what they said? Mm-hmm. This is my yeah. country too. Yeah. And that felt, you know, that felt good, you know, hearing that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm I feel like I'm a patriot, but you know, the reason I can say I'm a patriot even though I look at it, I look at it, the arrangements critically, is that mm-hmm. we don't chastise our children. We chastise our children because we love them. Isn't that, and yes. that's scriptural. 
And if we don't, I mean, if this is our country and we're a democracy, but if we're not living out of a democratic principle, if we're not truly um, having each other's backs and making the decisions, if we're not voting, if we're not allowed into the democratic process because we're being barred from voting or um, barred from getting our ads on television because we can't afford it or getting our candidate up because he's not a millionaire, is that mm-hmm. really a democracy? So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that those gentlemen are graceful enough to say, this is my country, that they have decided that. And see, they, what they were doing just paving the way for guys after them, guys and girls after them. You know, mm-hmm. a whole lot of people don't realize that the reason why they took so much is to pave the way for the other, for 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 the next generation, the next generation to you know to be easier on them. You know, yeah, it happens well, all correct. over. You know, mm-hmm. But look at the refugees and the immigrants now. Okay, so for for folks that that had African American descent, you know, of the '60s. Okay, mm-hmm. they they have gone forward. I mean, there's, I think there's a division, just like there's a division in the majority culture, the white culture, uh, the rich and the poor. And I think that's also happened in the black community, you know, the have mm-hmm. and the have not sort of as well. But there are, the African-American folks in the South were necessary as cheap labor for people that were, um, that had this corporate uh, interest. You know, that yeah. they needed that cheap labor. Well, yeah. after, and think about how much the South has changed because of that. There's a lot of resentment because folks that were making all that kind of that money off folks now no longer were. And they had to have, and a lot of resentment that came up. Now we oh, have yeah. um, immigrants and the refugees from Central America and South and Mexico and from all over the world, basically, when we look at Syria and the refugees from Syria. Hey, this might be a real heavy subject, so we need to take a break, and we'll come back and start in on immigrants when we get back. How's that? Okay. All right, we got to take a quick break. Okay. A station identification. Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we will take a real quick break here on Southern Progressive Revival, and you're right back to our conversation with Sister Joe. Please keep listening. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. Too busy giving tax handouts to large corporations, the Republicans haven't been working for the middle class. And as a result, many families are still struggling to make ends meet. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Light out everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature, every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. (laughs) Come, come walk with me, Michael S. Sharball. Through the broken doorway, where you will discover the freshest in pop, rock, psychedelic, ambient, and experimental musics. 11 a.m. Saturdays and Wednesdays, and only 
on IndieMediaWeekly.com. Well, hello there. This is Kenny Pick. Thanks for listening to Indie Media Weekly. Be sure to check out my show, Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. This is Indie Media Weekly Radio. into Southern Progressive Revival. One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place. Southern Progressive Revival at Indy Media Weekly Radio. All right, welcome back to the very last half hour of this episode of Southern Progressive Revival. As we continue our interview with Sister Joe, I would like to thank Nashville, Lake of the Ozarks, and Missoula, Montana for being with us here tonight. And most of all, thank you to Sister Joe. Thank you so much for making time to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, so I Oh, no, we we really appreciate it. This has been a really fun discussion so far. And uh, I did not, uh, we, of course, did not mean to break you off. So uh, if you want to continue that, That's you right. can. I get kind of a chance to slow me down. I'll get started and not stop. So, <laughs> <laughs> See, I that. knew you could do this. Yeah. Well, I'll, but I, I'll just go on and on and on and on, you know. So you just have to. I know. I just, just you let can't you throw go. anything at me. well i have something to throw at you okay okay what is the most embarrassing secret you can tell us about janet lee think very carefully i have a lot of those (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna tell you (laughs) darn it was worth a shot you know i had to try well yeah yeah Okay. Like, he watched well, Jake on for Mother's Day, and I told Jacob oh no. that. And he, yeah, I know. I said the same thing. And he, Jacob's like, I would be more than happy to come on. And I said, Yeah, I bet you would. That'll be Absolutely. That'll be a really fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask you one more question again to try to, to stir up the ranks before we get back to the serious stuff. W- would you be willing to say who you were supporting in the primary at this time? Bernie. Ha ha! Well, interesting. Ooh. A house divided. <laughs> I already knew she was going to say that. <laughs> because I, I, as far as talking about disruption of, of uh, existing power arrangements, this might be different with Hillary. I'm just saying. I well, Bernie, there's okay, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut because this is your hour, and I love you. Yeah, yeah, and you and I have talked politics, and we have had so many. Well, I didn't get into the screaming matches. Joe gets in the screaming matches at the dinner table with people. Oh, yeah, I, I don't do it well. No, she doesn't handle it well. Me, yeah. I just sit back and shut my mouth. And smile at everybody, and then sometimes I'll 
kick her under the table or something. <laughs> she's, she's much better at saying, bless your heart. I just want to say, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> she's got that too. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm, I'm right there with you, Joe. Like, it takes so much out of me to not to look at a person and be like, oh boy. Well, what kills them is when you like, you, you get the cold hard facts. Like, here's the deal, you know, and then you just run it down to them. And then they look at you because you, you definitely screwed with their paradigm. That just, that requires them to um, see the world differently, which means that they're going to lose their power. Because they figure this all out, how this unequal power arrangement benefits them. And when you say, and this is bullshit, and this is bullshit, and this is bullshit, you know, then it's, um, it, it's, they're not happy with you. And I just have to learn to keep my mouth shut a lot of times. And you're getting so. really good with Dad. I, I don't say. say anything to him anymore, except he doesn't say anything to me anymore either, which is good. We've, we've found out what we cannot say to each other. Yes, and I think it's wonderful because we just all avoid it and, yeah. 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 He's kind of a, just, he said he liked Ben Carson. <laughs> what? <laughs> More family relations on Southern Progressive Revival. Uh, <laughs> oh my God! I know that's what I said too. He likes the businessman. Myra told me that. Yes, yes. We were going into the library, and I said, "Are you freaking kidding?" When I was up in Oakland this summer, and the librarian went. Rose looked at me, Rosa, and shh, like that. And I went, he's crazy. He's just black crazy. <laughs> oh, well, I, whatever. Mm. I, hmm. yeah. I, no. Hmm. Yeah. But don't bring it you up. Know, yeah. Well, there's things he'll say. Or, and it's not just him. He's better about it. But his, you know, my stepmother, his wife, uh, will say things that are, beyond racist and I just lose it. I mean smoke comes out of my ears and I can't say anything too much, but I'll just shoot her one of these looks like if you best shut your mouth. And yeah. she does. That's now the does. eat shit and die look. Yeah, yeah. And I've perfected it now. So. Oh you've always had it perfected, honey. Oh thanks. <laughs> 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 oh man. Anyway, that's, anyway, yeah. you were you guys. Do you have any questions about other than family? <laughs> Gosh, but those are the fun ones. Um, <laughs> uh, John, Joey, do you, <laughs> John, Joey, do y'all have any questions? No, I, I no, I just got a little comment. I could imagine uh, her bringing me home. <laughs> <laughs> A black man Metaphor from the right south. There, really? <laughs> a younger <laughs> black man from the south. <laughs> I don't think Joey heard that. <laughs> what what, what, what she, she say? Metaphorically said, or for real? For real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> There's the drama button. Hey, I'm not scared. I'm not scared at all. I, I, I'm not scared. You should be very afraid. <laughs> I didn't see you for a while, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) 
Keep you never introduce you to dad. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh dear. Okay, what were you saying about um, the immigrants? Huh? Should I get back on topic or no? Oh, it's up to you guys. It's up to me. Huh? <laughs> well, I have my list here of the of King Six. Steps, you know, okay, and I just so wanted to make sure I got that. through this. Let's go for that because you haven't talked. Let's about go for that. Okay, first one: educate yourself about everything. The power analysis, uh, the whole nine. Uh, who, who's for you? Who's against you? Uh, figure out the power structure: who wins, who loses, who pays, that sort of thing. And then after that, that's, that's step one: educate yourself as good as you can about the whole thing, all the different ways people look at the, the same issue, like. We were talking about private prisons. How does the criminal justice system look at it? How does the community look at it? How does policing? How to, you know, all the different ways you can look at it. And then after you've educated yourself really, really well, and you look for networks that are that are doing work that you feel like um, is important work, then you can see well, where are the gaps? Where do they need help? Uh, who can I bring together? And then you start educating other people about what's going on. So first, educate yourself and educate others, and then. The third step is the personal commitment. This is from King. And the personal commitment is um, really where faith comes in. I mean, I know that oftentimes people are very frustrated with our faith traditions because they are very much a part of those structures of power and inequality, and that makes people turn off to them, and especially the hypocrisy that goes on. But when you look at... um, the way King presented it and the, the um, a lot of the liberation theology, a lot of those types of churches that talk about uh, this, they see Jesus Christ not as a Santa Claus that's going to bless them and somehow get them into heaven, but Jesus Christ was an organizer. Jesus Christ was, was a, you know, kick-ass organizer. He goes in on Palm Sunday on one side, and the Romans are coming in on the other side. And he knows he's going to be killed. He's doing direct action in Jerusalem. So to me, it's like, uh, Christianity makes perfect sense. Jesus Christ and Martin Luther King were kind of on the same page because they're both talking about liberation. So anyway, number three for King is review your personal commitment. Like how much are you, how far are you willing to go? And if you're going to do nonviolence, are you in it to the end or are you in it this much? You really have to make a, make a deal with yourself about where you're going to go. Affirm faith, affirm your uh, philosophical underpinnings. Um, understand, and I think this is important, that the ends and the means are int- intimately connected. So if you're going to use violence, like Malcolm X um, said that he that violence was um, an alternative that would be reasonable given the circumstances, and you could certainly understand why, but King said the ends and the means are connected. And so if we are looking at creating a beloved community, then we also need to make sure that our methods are nonviolent so that we can create relationships at the end when it's all said and done. Okay, so that's your personal commitment and your philosophy, being clear about that. And then the next, so the first, uh, inform yourself, inform others, um, make your commitments personally, and then then you um, negotiate. You decide, okay, this is the issue I'm going after, and so I'm going to try to go through the legal means to change this issue. 
And when you're trying to alter the power structures, you're not going to get very far typically, but you got to give it a shot. And so you, you give it a shot, you try to do what you can, and once that they, once that blowback starts, that's when you do the direct, you know, direct action. And then it's boycotts or it's um, something that's surprising, something that will disrupt the power structure, such as the bus boycott. You can stop getting on the bus. That was the direct action. They had tried. They tried everything. Um, Sit-ins, dine-ins, things like that. These are direct actions after everything else has failed. And then finally, when you win, when we have to figure we're going to win, it may take a while, but we're going to win, then we have to figure out how we can reconcile and come together. And as King said, for the beloved community, so that we, we reintegrate ourselves with a new paradigm. And so those are King's six um, steps to nonviolent change. Wow. There, I'm done. No, you're not done. You still got another 20 minutes, 15. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, well. <laughs> All right, guys, now go ahead and ask. <laughs> Okay, well, like I said, I get a little intense. I'm try- I just try to, like, I just thought that was important for on King Day. You said, well, tell me about organizing. I said, well, let's go to King. And, then, and King had a philosophy. It says he was saying that um, on top of it, these are the six steps to do it. This, this is the doing. But the belief system, you know, those personal commitments, the underlying belief system needs to be one of nonviolence. And so even on that King organizing uh, site, it's got the philosophy as well, and then there's six steps to the philosophy, and it's all there about um, be really, really hard on issues, but soft on people. Mm. So that's sort of important, things like that. Okay. I have a uh, a question, since, since you did bring up uh, King's philosophy. Uh, Black Lives Matter, of course, is a very important movement at this time. Um uh-huh. Do you think that they are sufficiently tackling the issue of systemic prejudice and police brutality, or, or do you think that they need to borrow more from those core principles? Well, I think they're doing great. I mm-hmm. think they're doing because they're taking on big structural issues. I mean, they're building a movement. And if you think back to the other movements, like women's movements and stuff like that, that wasn't just like Gloria Steinem or... Betty Friedan in the second wave feminist, but it wasn't just those women that were the leaders. They weren't in front of every charge. They were verbal and they were vocal, Mm. but it was small groups of women that got together and said, what can we do to take power, uh, take the power back that's ours? And women were being, women who have been hurt in marriage or in relationships, and let's use, um, I'll use domestic violence as an example. Uh, they call the cops, and the cops wouldn't arrest the guy. Mm-hmm. And so the court systems were not open to them. But they didn't. They made different strategies, and so the shelter movement began. So women's shelters for battered women came from the women's movement um, to kind of work outside of the structure mm-hmm. so that women could take care of women. And finally they brought in police and courts and did trainings for police and courts so they'd understand the whole issues related to domestic violence and so things change. It takes a long time to make change. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, what they're doing is the same thing. They're building movement. So it's not 
headed up by one person, but they're creating um, structural change by supporting each other and networking and building leadership and getting people in, in place to speak up. And they're doing all different types of strategies like policy change and building leadership takes time as well. And they're mm-hmm. building leadership. Yeah, I, I think that that's great. Like and, me, like me personally, I had a kind of a thing against them. I, I, I support the thing about the cops, but uh, it was a thing that was going on. I was thinking like, you know, they focus on the cops. What about these guys in the inner city, the neighborhoods killing each other? But I see that's yeah. a darn smokescreen of people saying that. And I apologize to Black Lives Matter. And I, I, and I, um, uh, uh, I support them 100% now because I did more research and I thought about it a whole lot because if man-man shoot Pookie down the street, man-man's going to get life and he's going to definitely get caught and do life or something. But if, if Officer John kills man-man, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, Officer John's going to get off. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, so I, I changed my mind about them and I said, uh, right on a uh, Black Lives Matter, and y'all got my full support. And it, and, it, and it, that's such a tricky issue when you're trying to deal with violence in neighborhoods that are decimated by poverty, and mm-hmm. what they would call on a global scale. When I mean, we're dealing with Syria and with any place else, when um, the structure of government and the social fabric has been torn and people are left out of just basic necessities, that becomes violent. And then Mm -hmm. people are drawn to groups that are going to protect them or that they feel like they can have some belonging to that gives their life meaning. And maybe that's a gun. Maybe that's, you know, in Syria, join the army or or ISIS or whatever, join the military. Uh, And in 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 a community that has been decimated by poverty, and they don't see a clear path out of that poverty, and yet someone comes in and says, well, this is how you can have power. Take this gun, and you're part of us, and you either protect this food, you protect this drug guy, or whatever you need to do, and you're you're one of us now. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's based on poverty. Yeah. And so then we, so on one hand, because I work in a neighborhood organization, where actually I'm, it's, it's again, another parenthetical, but just like the women's movement, men would come into the women's movement and say, I want to help, I'm an ally. And the women go, great, great, great. But men couldn't be in the lead. You know what I mean? Men had yes. to step back and be supportive and be allies, but they had to sort of shut up. And and that's how yes. I feel in this neighborhood yes. organization. Mm. The leadership has to be the market, has to be the people that live there in the neighborhood. But I could be an ally, and I think it's important for me to be there mm. as an ally. <laughs> Yeah. And so I continue. But the problem is that I see is that there's three or four different struggles going on. There's the struggle of poverty, but there's also the struggle of violence. And then there's the struggle with discrimination and the cops and in the schools and the other institutions. And so it's having to hold all of these things in your hand at the same time, it, it, it creates sometimes division between people because, well, I'm more about the cops or I'm more about gun violence. You know, well, we all have to be about all the same thing, you know, making us a safe community well, for everybody. And, and that's why I support Hillary because of the women's issues. 
And uh-huh. you just said it with about the women's movement, you know, back in the 70s. <clears throat> Men tried to come in, but they didn't really get it. And I don't care what Bernie says. I don't know that he can understand it because he's not a man. Or a woman, I mean. Well, true. And, you know, and me being white, going into the black community, I'm going to make mistakes all the time. And I'm going to say things that are stupid, and I'm going to say things that are uh, uninformed. And uh-huh. people just have to forgive me. I mean, if they want me there, they're going to have to teach me and forgive me. And then I have to be willing to be taught and be forgiven. And just like we had to teach the men over and over again in the women's movement. They're going to have to teach me, too, if they yeah. want me there. And and for some strange reason, they still want me there, so I'm still there. Cool. So, yeah. That's that. How do you say that? Nose, right? K-N-O-S-E. K-N-O-S-E. Nose. Nose. Yeah. Nose. Yeah. Who came up with that name? What does it mean? Keeping North Omaha safe for everyone. Right. It's a neighborhood thing. Okay. Well, I knew it was a neighborhood thing because you had told me about that when I was up this summer. But um, I was just wondering how that name came about. Yeah. The guy that runs it, and it's really a charismatic leadership. You know, everybody has a different leadership style, and his is definitely charismatic. And he he came up with it. So that's what Ah. it is. Cool. Yeah. See, did I tell you that Joe was an ass kicker? She is. And uh, she she makes me feel like I've done nothing with my life. Hey, hey guys. Hey, 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 Jonathan, remember at the beginning of the show, he said, uh, uh, I got a uh, which which one I'm gonna give my rose to. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I found the one. I'm getting my rose. I think I'm gonna take me a trip up to Nebraska with a dozen. All right. <laughs> good. All right. Life is good. Life is good. Oh God. Place warm for you guys, really. Yep. He, he can uh, go up to your nose meeting and. <laughs> I know I <laughs> we have, don't have a meetings. Good time. This is a neighborhood organization. He, uh, Robert, is the, is the man who's in charge, and he does not like. He, he, now think about this. North O has been filled with 501c3s, which are nonprofits, and the nonprofits oftentimes make promises they don't keep or only give. Um, put a lot of strings on the help that they give people, and so that there's this feeling of not trusting the nonprofit. So this is not a 501c3. This is a neighborhood, community, grassroots organization. And the, the, the constant uh, challenge is always raising money. And unfortunately, a lot of times we spend burying dead children uh, who have died from gun violence. And taking care of uh, families who are struggling with the death of a family member. And for me, that was not what I signed on for, because for me, that's way too up close and personal, and it just breaks my heart every time I think of it. But that's what we do. And um, sometimes it's trying to find somebody shelter, and sometimes it is going to court. And sometimes it's whatever the need happens to be getting kids presents at Christmas. So things like that. That's what we do. Wow. We have like three minutes left. And so how about, John, why don't you 
say anything or ask a question to my sister? Okay, I, you know, like, I listened to your whole thing. I'm not going to ask a question about that because you're probably, you know, I'm the wild card here. What is your favorite food and why is it biscuits and gravy with hash browns? <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. It is. Chocolate cake donuts, of course. <laughs> yeah. Also, also a fair trade-off. <laughs> okay, Joey. Uh, <clears throat> I like to say it, it was an honor to talk to you, you honey bunny, and uh, you are. You are a soldier in this fight, and I want you to keep doing what you're doing because I'm going to fight with you, sweetheart. And, I, and all of us are going to fight with you. And, and, and I love you. And, and I, yeah, and I love you. And, 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 and I want to talk to you again on the show one day. Oh, thank you, sir. Oh, it's an honor to be here, and I just love listening to you because I were yes, 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 Joey, I'm back there screaming at you all the time. Yeah, Joey, keep, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. You got me blushing now. You got me blushing. <laughs> Jonathan. Well, uh, Sister Joe, I, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on. I really hope that we get to talk more in the future. This has been a true pleasure. And I have to compete with Joey and say that I want you to know that you're my hero. You are the wind beneath oh, my, my wings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> what a Benedict Arnold. What a Benedict Arnold, I swear. <laughs> he tells me that every Saturday, every time we get the show done. <laughs> That's one of the embarrassing things, though. My sister and I traded off the same boyfriend for a while. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, <laughs> this, is, this is not new. This is not new. Yeah, but you ended up with him in the end. Oh, no, I didn't. Not at the end. You did. Well, that's true. Oh. Yeah, but we both dumped him. Well, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, you Whatever. did. Yeah. Still a nice you guy. kicked his ass out. Nice what are you talking? I didn't, kick his, I didn't kick his ass. I just left. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not dumping him. That's just, like, leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. But anyway, I feel bad for the man now. But it was so wonderful to me. I love you. And um, I'm, I just... Janet, I'm still not used to that. Her kid's name was different, and I still call her her childhood name. So, Lee is fine. You're all wonderful, huh? Lee is fine. Okay. Well, I will see you uh, later. Oh, I wanted to say something about the immigrants, but I guess I'll have to wait. Yeah, because we're out of time. But, you know, actually. I love you all. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love you. I love you too. Bye, all. Bye. Have a wonderful night. All right, oh, so she is awesome. Dude. Oh yeah, isn't yeah, she? I See, I, I, I didn't steer y'all wrong. No, you did nah, not. She I was cool as a fan. Yeah, she is. She's super impressive. I, I'm honestly a little in awe of her. So you know, I had to <laughs> send messages on Janet to uh, send us to break and to end the call because I'm uh, slight, <laughs> slightly intimidated <laughs> by Sister Joe. <laughs> 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 
anyway. <laughs> All right, so we are going to draw it in for the night here on Southern Progressive Revival, and we are going to start out with uh, the man of the night, Mr. Joey Word, with your parting words. Uh, good night, everyone. It was a pleasure. I had fun tonight. Hello, everyone in the chat, chat room. I love you all, and everyone who's listening, love you all, and, and have a great night. Yes, indeedy. Thank you so much. And we move on next to uh, Ms. Janet Lee, who allowed us to have this wonderful interview with Sister Joe. Well, thank you, everybody, for turning in, and thank you so much to my sister. Uh, love her to death. Thank you, everybody in chat. You know, we didn't get to talk a lot. Caitlin, Snore, Nova, Tom was here, Adam, John, everybody. Um, so we love you, and we can't do a show without y'all. Yes, indeed. And last but certainly not least, Mr. John Kendall. Uh, it was a great show. Um, catch me next Saturday, same time this is. I'm not dealing with time zones anymore. <laughs> I will be off next Sunday. I will be off next Sunday due to the WWE pay-per-view clause in my contract. Yes. Um, it's the Royal Rumble. 30 men enter, but only one can win. <laughs> so, have a good week. Uh, see y'all next Saturday, and then the Sunday after that. So, yes, have a good night. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, as for me, your host, I would like to thank you for listening as always. It was a pleasure to bring you this episode of Southern Progressive Revival. Uh, next week, we will be back to our normal format for a normal show, but we promise to keep it exciting as always. So once again, to our American listeners, thank you. To our Portuguese listeners, obrigado. And I hope that you all have a wonderful evening. Do stay tuned at 10.30 p.m. Eastern for the Sci-Fi Double Feature, which will include The Shadow, Society of the Living Dead, and Dimension X, The Knock. Have a wonderful night, and we'll catch you all next Sunday here on Southern Progressive Revival from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Always live, always fresh. Have a great night, everybody. I've got to let you go. Thank you so much. I okay, appreciate that's it. That's good. Wonderful that, to yeah, see yeah, you. Well, yes, yeah. uh-huh, right. Yeah, great. You come back and see me, you hear? Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob.